Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome in on a Friday morning, a football Friday, and we're going to get you kicked off with some football. For you early risers, one of the biggest college football stars, most talkative guys, we all root for the little guy, the underdog, Britton Covey is too small. He shouldn't be this good a football player at this level. But his touchdown return against Oregon at the end of the half, that will be an iconic play a decade from now. No one's forgetting that. Will he make it in the NFL? Well, PK and I wanted to talk to him about that. So, here's Britton Covey with PK and I. Britton, you didn't waste any time. You decided to announce the Rose Bowl's going to be the last game. That was a nice line, though, as far as, you know, Social Security and your <laughs> senior year. Yeah, well... Some of those are so serious, I decided to, you know, bring a little comic relief into it. But You had said earlier in the season that you thought that this was going to be it. Uh, was there any wavering as the season progressed? Uh, th- I would say the only wavering came in the fact that, you know, name, image, and likeness opportunities, I feel like, opened the door for, uh, you know, the possibility of maybe staying another year trying to make a little bit of money while you're doing it because the NFL is so unpredictable, right? We've seen that through the years. Some of the best college players you've ever seen and then either they don't pan out or they don't get a shot or they get injured. And so more than anything, I just want to keep playing football. And so uh, I know that, you know, logistically and, and subjectively, the best thing to do would be to leave right now. So, uh, PK knows I like to Google all kinds of random facts. And I did Google, when you made your announcement, I did Google smallest receivers in the NFL. And I got to say, I was surprised how many players there are in yeah. the NFL at skill positions. Some running backs, some receivers, some return guys, between 5'6 and 5'9. Yeah. How much did you dig into all of that making the decision? Uh, I've, dig- I've dug into that for years, I think. Um, I think that the reality of an NFL possibility or career only became real to me you know 2018 2019 I it was always like a dream but I'm like ah there's no way but now it you know it's become a reality and and I feel like what's cool is you look at someone like Devin Lloyd right every team all 30 whatever teams would take him if they're if he's available in the draft for someone like me I'm such a situational player that I only need two or three teams to be interested in me um, I don't need all 30 teams because I, I won't get that. So if I can just get a few teams, um, and I've already talked to some scouts, and, and they know what I can do in the return game, and they've also said, you know, we're not dumb. We know that Utah's a tight end heavy system, a running back heavy system. You, you haven't gotten as many opportunities. and So I'm hoping I can go in as both. Sort of remind me a little bit, maybe a slightly smaller Reno Mai. Hey, Reno is my my mentor after, you know, so, yeah, I think so. I think uh, he's got a little bit more bulk to him. I've got a little bit more speed. Um, But it's that when you get the ball in your hands, it's kind of that natural ability to, you know, get upfield, fall forward, even at your size. So... I, you know, I've had lots of comparisons. I, I, I watch Colt Beasley religiously. I love how he plays his routes. Um, so there are a lot of examples. You know, 15 years ago, I don't know if you'd be able to find as many. But So route running is so important. And I had heard about you in an NFL dream. And, you know, I mean, I thought, wow, he's way small. But I'm watching the Michigan game, and I'm curious if you remember this moment. You're going to the north end zone. You're, I think you're in the red zone. Uh-huh. And you're in the slot. You go inside, you plant the foot, you go back outside, and the linebacker just can't change directions multiple times. And that was the first time I thought, wow, if you can start and stop and change right. direction like that, maybe you are an NFL guy. Is that, is that one yeah. of those moments you have I to was, hold on to? 
Gunright Double Jet 5 Purple. That was the play call. And, uh, yeah, it was a slant return against Jabril Peppers about the 15-yard line. And, honestly, I, if, if they can't touch you, you, you know, you, ha- you keep that. And so that's always been my game, I feel like. Have you gotten more feedback as far as a uh, returner or as a, a uh, receiver or both? Uh, more as a returner, but I've gotten interest in both. And that is why Britton Covey can be a coach if he wants. I mean, that guy remembers one play from six years ago, and he remembers everything about it. I tell him where they are on the field, who they're playing. He remembers the play call. He knows the player he's matched up with. And, man, if you can beat Peppers, then maybe you can play in the NFL. All right, DJ and PK, we're taking a break. When we come back from Utah to BYU, Rondo Felberg, former BYU athletic director, he's got specific stories about Lavelle, money, other offers. If you're a longtime BYU fan, you absolutely want to hear this. Rondo Felberg, next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Rondo Felberg, former BYU athletic director. He joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial properties, water costs, or you can call 877-346-3333. Rondo, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. I'm curious, Rondo, with all the news coming out of BYU and with what they must be paying Kalani and they must be paying all the assistants with the money that they've sunk into facilities and the recruiting budget and analysts and on down the line, if you rolled all those numbers into a ball and then could go into a room and in his old office tell Lavelle Edwards what BYU is spending on football now, what would the reaction be? Oh, they, they wouldn't believe it. I mean, in fact, it would be it would be the kind of thing where they I would lose all my credibility with Lavelle because he just would not believe it. <laughs> um, I mean, when you go back, uh, this is not that long ago for some folks. For the younger folks, yeah, it probably is two generations ago. But um, there used to be a, a rule. I don't know who established the rule that nobody could be paid more than the president of the university. So that first national championship that when Lavelle won it in 1984, Cougar Club got together and gifted him a brand new Cadillac Seville with a big bow on top. (laughs) A week later, poor Lavelle had to give it back because the value of that development, he would be making more than the president of the university. And he had to give it back. That's how things have changed here. I remember when Miami university of Miami came to Lavelle, he gave me a call. I said, yeah, can you come talk for a minute? Rondo? Uh, sure. So I came up and he said, I need you to look at this. And I look at it, and of course, Miami, this is at a time when, I mean, well-paid coaches are making 150, maybe 200 grand um, in the big programs. That's kind of where it was at the time. Miami is offering Lavelle, University of Miami is offering Lavelle a package north of a million dollars. It's unbelievable. And he said, I said, well, Lavelle, if you're asking me, should you take it? Uh, only you can answer that. You break my heart, but quite frankly, you need to think of your family. He said, oh, no, Rondo, I'm never going to touch that. I'm just 
want you to know, are they stealing this money? Where's this <laughs> money coming from? How are they doing this? <laughs> yeah, times certainly have changed. We recently had uh, the passing of one of the great BYU boosters of all time, beloved Cy Kimball. Cy came to me, and he wasn't the only one, but Cy was one of the more consistent ones and said, Rondo, you do what you have to do, and I just want you to know we'll take care of it. There's not a number that will scare us. You take care of it. And, and he was very consistent over the years. BYU has had wonderful, wonderful friends and donors who would be much more generous than they've been allowed to be. Yeah, that's for sure. That's the fact right there, yeah, Then they're allowed to be. I get that all the time, Rondo. Can't this guy, that guy, and we know some of the names, particularly here, what's happened in the last year plus. Oh, like yeah. Saying, I mean, it's not them. It's people above them. And there's, there's, there's just no question. Uh, uh, this Big 12 thing is, is going to be a game changer for us because it will change the entire landscape of our giving and of Cougar Club. But I'm, I have no concerns for us at all. What my concerns are is how we'll manage it within the context of the culture that we have around us. Go into a little more depth on that. <laughs> well, um, I, I, I probably would have to have a couple of interviews before I went into too much depth. <laughs> <with> that. <laughs> okay, that's but providing some depth right there. Let me, let me just say that we've, we've got lots of young guns on silicone slopes who just can't wait <laughs> to show off their moxie. And they would be... Um, the, the competition of it would be something they would relish. Mm. Um, that That is not going to be a problem. And then you've got a number of the, uh, should we say, more seasoned, even gray-haired guns who've been frustrated over the years uh, that they weren't able to do more. Um, and, and, and that they felt that there were some limitations. Now, let me just say, BYU and the church will always take their money. That's not a problem. It's just that they want to be able to have some voice in directing where that money goes. And that's where we're very different than most of the other uh, folks around, because we have um, uh, we have very clear guidelines. Some might call them rules, uh, but I'd, I'd prefer to call them guidelines with respect uh, to giving. And your job is to talk it over with your wife, your family, the the people who matter to you, and then decide what the proper gift is. Make the gift, and that's the last say or influence you have on that money. Um, That's the way it happens here. That's not the way it happens in a lot of places. So what you're saying is you can't designate where the money's going. No. Now there's there are, there are some notable exceptions. Um, uh, we have um, uh, the Miller family built the ballparks. Uh, yeah, and and that was actually um, Cy Kimball and Larry Miller, 
and and sigh. This is this is a tribute to to the Kimball family because Cy said that he was more than happy to have the Miller name go on that ballpark uh, rather than his name. But he had already uh, he he'd put seven figures there and just left it. Um, so that uh, whenever the time came, yeah. um, it would be uh, a done deal. And Larry just said, finish it off and just tell me what the number is. Yeah, Larry and Gail were wonderful with that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about the influence of Tom Homo and how much credit or recognition or whatever you want to say he deserves in getting all this stuff done, all the stuff that he's been able to do over the last decade and a half. It is not possible to overstate what he has done. Um, What you need at BYU And what is unique about Tom is you need somebody who doesn't need the spotlight and quite happy not to have the spotlight. That's the perfect personality. That's Tom. But is the sort of the steady hand, the the, the sort of guy who's willing to stay in the background and yet has extraordinary relationships connections everywhere both laterally and vertically he has the connections he's so respected by his peers across the nation Um, everybody likes Tom Homo it's very very hard to find anybody in sport that you cannot find somebody very quickly who's willing to criticize him or trash him and Tom is one of the very few exceptions. You can't find anybody critical of Tom Homo. In fact, the criticism that gets leveled at Tom is that nobody's that nice. Nobody's that calm. Nobody's that stable. Uh, it's it's got to be a game. It can't be real. That's the criticism. Uh, Tom has been marvelous. You know the, the 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 story of Tom, don't you? Of how he got here? Yeah, because I was going to ask you about that. That you know, a lot of times ads are just old football coaches, the good old boy network. But I believe you had told me years ago that Tom had targeted uh, way back when the desire to oh, be yeah. in an athletic administration. Well, not just athletic administration. Um, I thought I was going to be the AD who was going to ultimately replace Lavelle. And so in usual Rondo fashion, I prepared a, uh, a, a short list. And then I quietly went and visited every single one of those coaches that were on. I whittled it down uh, to about a dozen, and then I narrowed that down to four or five Um and I went and visited every one of them, watched them coaching practices, watched them in games, stayed in their homes, literally stayed in their homes uh, so that I knew what we were going to have or potentially have. And I stayed in Tom and Lori's home. Well, he was at that time the defensive backs coach for the 49ers. And uh, I stayed a weekend with him, uh, watched him in Saturday practice, went to church with him, did the whole deal, and then was on the sidelines with him for their Monday night game. 
And uh, I was so impressed with with um, both his de- demeanor and his. I mean, he the guy. The guy looks like he's very calm and like he's almost passive. But oh my goodness, when it comes to football and when it comes to coaching, I mean, he was intense and focused. I was I was so surprised and so impressed. So anyway, uh, I I tell him, okay, Tom, you know. Uh, you know, is this something that you're interested in, something you want? And he goes, oh, Rondo. He said, I don't want Lavelle's job. You don't? He said, no. I mean, he was just as deadpan and sober as he No, I don't want Lavelle's job. Really? No, I want your job. <laughs> what? He says, yeah. He says, that's what I want. I want your job. And so he and I agreed right there that if we hired him to replace Lavelle, I would give him a five-year deal. And at the end of that five years, he had the absolute right at his choice. If he was, if he was our coach for five years, he had the absolute right to come onto my staff as senior associate athletic director, the number two guy. Now that meant I had to have Pete Whitback and Val Hale both agree to that, which they did um, in order to get Tom. And so that was a done deal. So Tom had already planned if if we hired him to replace Lavelle um, uh, to come into administration. So, yeah, he he's right where he wanted to be. Right. And that's another reason, I think, for his longevity. I mean, he, he's in the job he wanted. He's in this. This was his ultimate destination. Former BYU Athletic Director Rondo Felberg joined us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. You famously lived in Houston and uh, parked on a bridge somewhere to uh, pick up games on the radio (laughs) pre-internet. And so I want to draw on that Texas experience because Oklahoma and Texas have been the big dogs and driven the league. You know, lately everybody's been trying to keep up oh, with yeah. Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma. Well, Oklahoma's going to the SEC and Lincoln Riley's gone to USC. And Oklahoma and Texas are going to be out. Oklahoma State uh, had a booster, T. Boone Pickens, who underwrote uh, just a trem- I mean, they made tremendous advances on his checkbook at Oklahoma State. The, the stadium's oh, yeah. probably the biggest thing, but it's not the only thing. But he passed away a couple years ago. I expect this league is going to be competitive and driven, but who do you think drives the league? As much as everything's exploded in the last five or ten years, how much does it explode in another five or ten? Because BYU's made big strides here. They had a big press conference to say, hey, we're going to keep up. We're going to be competitive. We're investing across the board. we got our eyes on the prize. And Tom said, if we need to adapt, we'll adapt. Who drives it? How much does this change and accelerate in the five or ten years going forward? Oh, I think the influence of that um, Southwest, that old Southwest Coast Triangle or Southwest Conference Triangle, will continue. That's really where it is. So we're talking Texas Tech, and um, uh, I, I think University of Houston will now Baylor. have a chance for their own renaissance. Baylor, uh, all, all of those schools who have chafed mightily uh, under the huge shadow cast by OU and, and, and Texas. In Texas, that's a really big deal. And, and it's not a bad thing 
to have them be in different conferences. Uh, I, you know, I think I think people kind of know what the SEC has become. It's sort of morphed into its own pro league, and and I think people there are some people for whom that is just exactly what they wanted. There are others for whom that's just a little bit offensive. And and I think that if Houston and Tech and Baylor and Oklahoma State play it right uh, down there, they will earn back some of the fans and some of the loyalty that traditionally had gone to Texas and OU. Um, that's what I'm watching for. Would you say, Rondo, that BYU, not not the athletic department, and maybe not even the administration currently on campus, but those above them had to look at things a little differently to get to this point where BYU can make that unprecedented contract announcement and commitment to the athletic program and the football program in particular? Um, uh, well, we're talking about different measures. Um, BYU had an extraordinary year in 1984. Um, all of your fans and listeners can go take a look at uh, convert baptism statistics in North America in 1985. Uh, we had an extraordinary year in 1996. Um, the Go check the convert baptism statistics in 1997. The brethren get it. They understand <laughs> the, the more positive visibility that BYU has, the easier it is when missionaries knock on doors for them to be able to go in and be invited in and then they do their thing. After that, it doesn't matter once they're through the door because they are such extraordinary ambassadors for goodness and for the church. But we have to get through the doors. And the brethren have seen the the numbers uh, and they know what it takes. How long do you think it'll take to win a uh, Big 12 Conference title? Because the Utes have done it in 11 years, and you know the rivalry and Four all things. Four months. <laughs> See? That would be great. Make Way a big splash. Go, <laughs> Cannonball no, into think... the deep end of the Big 12 pool. I don't think there's any question that we are probably more ready competitively than Utah was when they came into the Pac-12. I mean, I, I was visiting with Kyle the other night. And 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 t- talking about those kinds of things, uh, the the fact is that that it does take time to upgrade your your talent pool, your facilities, your you know your j- just the way you think about yourselves and the way you carry yourself and therefore are able to compete. It does take time, but BYU has managed to go quite a distance in that direction all by itself. So I don't expect it to take as long. How long do, is it going to take? Um, if Jacob Conover morphs into <laughs> Zach Wilson, like everybody thinks he might, and if the other two guys push him as, as 
as, as good as Romney pushed Zach and on and on, and Jaron Hall pushed Zach. If, if, if we have that kind of dynamic, um, it'll happen pretty soon. We'll leave it right there, Rondo. We appreciate it. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll all watch this transition. We're looking forward to it. All right, gentlemen. Have a Merry Christmas. There's Rondo Felberg. We've heard from the Utes and the Cougars. How about the Jazz next? Joe Ingles, his weekly visit next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time now to hear from Joe Ingles. Joe joined us uh, late in yesterday's show, second half of the show, so we'll replay a few early rises. He'll drop a few last nights. He's talking about the win over the Clippers. Here's Joe Ingles with PK and I. Hey, yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe, and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best-looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show (laughs) with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Joe Ingles joins us now on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. Joe, good morning. Good morning. You know, Joe, there were a lot of things going on that I thought Joe's going to be in a great mood. And I got that road trip over. He had to, you were hilarious when you were talking about killing time and how much you were hating it on the road with a couple days off in a couple towns. But now you got three days at home with no games and you got to win. And I thought you were going to be a good mood, but you went out and you got a technical foul. Joe. I mean, it it might be the like the, not that I've ever tried to like get one back because I've, very well aware that I've made the most of a lot of them. Um, but I was like, actually, uh, obviously I said what I said, which didn't make the referee too happy, but I was actually just, I was just saying it like it wasn't directed at anyone or anyone in particular or the referee or anything like that. I was just like saying it cause it was like, I didn't think it was a foul, but yeah, the referee thought I was talking to him and, it real like at the point of the like at the time of, I'm not going to even bother arguing it because it was like what's the point because they don't rescind like he doesn't he doesn't give me a technical and then take it away if I if I go and plead my case to him so I was like screw it I'll just, <laughs> just uh, but it. I was actually just like emotionally talking to myself like it wasn't directed at anyone but it is what it is. Yeah, when I used to work for the Salt Lake Tribune way back when, they had a coach at the University of Utah, Rick Majerus. He took him to the Final Four, and one time he was and he was profane as can be, and he was screaming at one of his players during a game, and the referee walked between him and his player, and he hears all yeah. these profanities coming out of the coach's mouth, but they're not directed at the ref at all. Yeah. They're directed at his player, but the referee tees him up because <laughs> he hears these words that weren't directed like- at him at all. It's an emotional game, and you get into it, and obviously we all, we're all trying to win. And so I was like, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna bother with this one. So 
Yeah, you might as well. As I'm watching I'm you, in, I'm still in a good mood. Don't worry. Oh yeah, you're All fine. Right. You're fine. You're, you're usually in a good mood. It's rare that you're Renee, not. Renee might have been in the bathroom or something at the time, so she didn't actually see it. Oh, even better. So she doesn't know. Let's keep it a secret. <laughs> we'll not tell her that you got some money deducted again. <laughs> Until there's a big minus in my face. <laughs> well, we'll let that slide, man. So you can. Well, I mean, the we truth is, you still got enough for Christmas. Radio, so. Yeah, yeah he still got the radio money. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 that'll make up for it. That's right. Yeah, man, you, more uh, more property in Park City you can buy. Ooh, uh, <laughs> let me know if we got something on the market. I'll take it. <laughs> and buy Locke's place, and then you can be his landlord. <laughs> no, oh, I'll be his landlord. I want to live near him. <laughs> Lock him out. <laughs> so I'm watching you play with Whiteside out there, and I'm wondering. Compared to Gobert, when you've got the ball, what's your level of comfortability and familiarity with Whiteside as it is compared to what you know what you need to do with Gobert? Um, obviously not to the same level. Um, I mean, eight years is eight years. You can't uh, you can't kind of put a price or time on that because we've we've obviously not just the. the I guess the time that we've played together, Rudy and I, but also the amount of actions we've we've been in together, and obviously those three or three or four years, whatever it was, starting, um, it's a a lot of time to be playing pick and roll and handoffs and and doing all that. So um, obviously it's not not to that level, but I, I think I think it's been good. I think I think he's getting more comfortable in the system and. Um, how we play and what we want to do and um, I mean Coach said it the other day oh, maybe a couple of weeks ago now but um, just about the, the even our um, like our sub subbing patterns like Hassan and myself come in at the seven or seven and a half or whatever it is and Hassan comes back out at the <laughs> at the three or two or whatever it is um, he I remember like the first time that ever happened he was looking at Coach like what what did I do kind of thing is did I do something wrong or and so I, I, like those things are just things that everybody has to get used to the, the rotations and the system and what coach and same for Hassan for me like him getting used to the way I play and how I'm going to pass him the ball and, and stuff like that so um, yeah it'll keep it'll keep getting better and better obviously we're gonna we're gonna play a fair bit of minutes kind of over this next however however long however many games we've got left so we'll, we'll just keep keep figuring it out and, and keep getting better it's uh it's weird that Rudy Gobert is averaging so many rebounds in relatively speaking so few minutes I mean he's playing 31 minutes a night but I think of him as a guy who can play 36 night after night but you've had so many blowouts I think his his minutes have gone down and he's averaging almost a rebound every two minutes which I think is a really high number and then I looked at Hassan Whiteside he's doing almost the same thing as a backup when you're playing with those guys do you sometimes just assume they're going to gobble up every rebound? Does it kind of lower the urgency for you or your your teammates? Because these guys are grabbing so many. Is it easy just to assume they're going to get the next one? Well, I don't assume. I kind of know. Um, obviously, they're, they've both been, and even if you you look at Hassan's career, career prior to here, when he was playing those minutes and stuff in Miami as a starter and as that kind of main guy, um, they've both been unbelievable rebounders in their careers so um, it's not it's not surprising um, obviously the last few years for Hassan obviously not being a starter and 
coming off the bench with different teams or whatever. Um, for him, it's like, well, now he's playing against a backup center. He's not playing against yeah. a, a Rudy Gobert or a Miles Turner or the, the list goes on, obviously. Um, so I think for for him and for our team, it's obviously a, a huge advantage to have him um, playing against those guys and being able to do what he does and what he's done in his, his career, but against, obviously, now backup guys. So... Obviously, there's times that, I mean, even like last night, they had a, a clear emphasis on sending two or three guys to, to every rebound um, situation, especially defensively, um, to, to stop Rudy and Hassan getting those offensive rebounds. They had two or three guys there, which obviously um, opened it up for, for the guards to be able to kind of crash and get, get some kind of cheap, easy rebounds. So, um yeah, we we kind of expect and know what they're going to do on the the defensive boards and then offenses as well. So it, it definitely helps having you, you sub one out, and <laughs> it's almost like a clone of the other one coming in and, and almost doing kind of the same thing. So um, yeah, definitely a, a positive for our team. You guys were the second game on ESPN. The first game was Dallas and the Lakers. So I'm watching the pregame, and they've got on there some media guys, a guy named Stephen A. Smith, I assume you know him, and a couple other guys, and they're talking about how uh, they don't talk about the Jazz. And then Smith says, well, you know, I, I picked them to win. They let me down, so I'm not sure I believe in them. And then Marcus Morris last night says, yeah, they're still the same team. Ain't nothing changed. Gobert protects all of them. None of them can defend. Just funnel it to him, and it's tough. He's a great player, and he does a great job of anticipation, staying down, being solid, so you know who they are. And then we had Minnesota last week crack on you. Do you think that is that just sort of standard for a team that's been really good in the regular season, but has not gotten to the conference finals yet until... And Donovan said this in his post game. basically. He said, until we get there, these people are going to keep running their mouths on it. Is that something that's a fair assessment? Yeah. I mean, obviously I've said it before, I literally could not care less what anyone thinks about our team or how we play or what, like... Marcus Morris can say that, but it's like, well, why wouldn't we funnel everybody to Rudy. <laughs> Isn't that a smart game plan when you've got the three-time defensive player of the year? Like yes. Why would we try and ISO and play one-on-one, purely one-on-one, and just like, obviously we've got to stay in front of our guys and, and, and do different pieces, but like you funnel the players to the best player, best defender in the world. Like that's what... <laughs> that's, if you've got a guy that loves going left me for example why would you run plays going like it's just common sense like we're going to clearly funnel everybody to Rudy that's a a smart game plan obviously in in the playoffs is where the, the manipulation of like where where who Rudy guards and where they put him that's what they the, the club is obviously getting the, trying to move him all over the place get him away from um, being able to protect the rim um, but, but yeah like, like Donovan said until we Obviously, it doesn't bother me or our team what people say. We we know we're building towards something. Um, we've been trying to build towards that. We have had setbacks along the way. I think that's normal in life. Uh, I think it was like there's probably been one, maybe that Golden State team that I think they lost in maybe the second or third round, and then they won it the next year. Yeah. Apart from that, it, it takes time for for teams to get to the to the level. Um, 
so yeah, we, obviously it doesn't bother us. We, we're going to keep doing what we do, keep playing the way we play. And um, again, obviously for, for us, it's about us um, putting the the finishing touches on it in the playoffs and doing it in the playoffs and, and playing at a high level and that to, to be able to push it further. There's something I've been wondering for a while, and Quinn started to address it in those in-game interviews, which I usually find useless, but I thought he hit on an important point. He was talking in the Clipper game. He said, and there was something about how to close this game out because I think you're up by double figures at the time. He said, well, you know, we got to rebound and we got to run the court and keep them out. We, well, we, not, not turn, we can't we gotta stop the turnovers, which I took as an implication. We can't let them score in transition. Have you guys been doing this long enough and you play at high enough level, you shoot the ball so well in your set court offense, you defend so well with Rudy, do teams pretty much have to score on second chance points and in transition if most of these teams are going to beat you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a. I mean, you go into every game with a, a game plan and emphasis and and things like that. And, um, obviously, past years is is kind of whatever, but but this year we were horrible in transition defense for the start of the year or to to this point so far. I think the road trip we just went on was the first time, um, even numbers wise, from kind of what we, we get back in in film and meetings, um, was the first time we'd really kind of ran back and set a wall and 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 been able to defend in the half court like you said obviously for us we we know how good we are in the half court and that's why you can manipulate the game with, with euro fouls and and for us obviously offensive rebounding as well because it's a, a a form of transition defense if we go and get it it's almost like getting a stop because we've just got the ball again and, and obviously get to have another possession offensively but uh, i think prior to the the road trip we went on we were like 28th in transition defense or something like that so obviously like us other teams look at those numbers and they they say that and it's like all right well we don't want to play Rudy and Hassan in the backcourt in the half court. so um every opportunity we get make or miss um and some teams do it organically it's kind of the way some teams play um how, how fast they get it in and New Orleans has always been one of those teams to, that comes to mind but um yeah, it's it's obviously it's been a focus of ours to 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 get back and set set it and kind of pack the pain and and fan out from there and and obviously we just we just have to keep doing it, um, keep focused, keep keep watching it to see where we are making those mistakes. Um, but but like I said, prior to the road trip, we were horrible, um, and we did get better over that road trip. But obviously, that's just three or four games, so we've just got to just got to keep building on it and keep keep working on it. Yeah, and you talk about that, and it's clearly it's been a difference, and you you guys are on a nice streak uh, as far as that goes, and you I, I can't say you turned it around because it's not like you were in, in the bottom by any stretch, but you're 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 playing much better this time well, we around. Were in the bottom, we're okay. just not that much higher. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys talk about that amongst yourselves? Well, it's in, obviously we watch film and we get. Um, we get told it by right. By I know, but I mean, stuff. do the guys um, talk about it with each other? Not the coaches telling you. Yeah, I mean, we have. There's there's times in the game, and and you might get subbed out, and you're like, holy, shit! I just missed that <laughs> one, or I should have ran back. Or um, we obviously, for people that don't know, we we obviously we watch film at halftime as well. They coach will show us five or six clips, and. Um, like there'll be one of someone not running back and say, like, all right, like whoever, Joe, Joe, you've got to like sprint back here and, and obviously help form the wall and, and get back. So 
we we talk about that there's there's plays I mean everyone has them like you have a possession and you know you're going to be on the film the next day and it's like the mindset of not trying to be on the film the next day so you do whatever you've got to do to, to not be on the film but um, yeah no we, we obviously talk about it it's more in the not in a funny sense but, but obviously kind of keeping a light and like hey Rudy you got to you got to get back there or Donovan you've got to get back there and um, yeah just keeping keeping the focus on it because we obviously again we know how high level it is for uh, for, us, for us to do that I was just explaining to my wife the concept of not being on the film the next day. You've had former teammates who've talked about it, and she asked something about Quinn during a game, and I told her that, and she was laughing. It's funny you bring that up right now. Don't be on the film the next day. You don't want to be on the film the next day. (laughs) Jacob, Jacob, can I have a kiss? Jacob's gone to school. Sorry. There you go. No worries. Um, Yeah, no, you don't want to be on the film the next day. That's like the... Like I said, but there's like legitimately times and possessions that you're like running down the court. And you're like, damn it, that's definitely going to be on the clips. <laughs> Have <laughs> or, you? We, I mean, we watch team film, but then we also watch individual. So, right. If you're lucky enough for it to not be on the team one, if it's not too bad, or if someone messed up even worse than you, then it's definitely on your individual one. So either way, you're seeing it. Mm-hmm. Christmas is right around the corner. You got your shopping done, Joe? Well, I'm very lucky that. Santa Claus slash Renee um, <laughs> organizes all the kids stuff. Okay, but what um, are you getting for the little lady? Well, we had this agreement. Um, we purchased a house for ourselves as a bit of a holiday getaway. And um, so that was kind of our Christmas present to each other. But um, everyone knows that everyone likes actually opening something on Christmas Day. Right. right um, so, I'll, yeah, I've got a, a few little things for her, but it's going to be a, a very, obviously for us, it's it's about the kids and, and seeing their, especially five-year-olds, <laughs> five-year-olds are obsessed with uh, with Christmas and Santa and, and all those, the elf on the shelf thing that's the most annoying thing in the world. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, we'll, we'll have a good time. The, the, obviously, we, we play as well, so you we'll do. figure out what the, the schedule looks like, but be obviously be able to spend the morning with them and and do all that, and then then obviously have to, to head off at some point for, for the game. So in the next few days, am I going to see Joe Ingles walking through City Creek Mall? <laughs> oh, no. I actually thought about that the other day. I was like, obviously online shopping in the world is a, a beautiful thing, but I was like, I I really should just go and, and get something, and I was like, there's actually no chance in hell I'm going there. <laughs> I literally couldn't think of anything worse than walking through the – not – because it's Utah or like just any mall in the world. <laughs> Not your thing. Well, I don't no. want to end on some happy Christmas thing, Joe, because PK handles the happiness and I do all the dirty stuff on this show. Matthew Delavadova, you're, fo- you're a fellow Australian. He went to St. Mary's. Once upon a time, he beat BYU, so there's plenty of people who still around here carry a grudge. And there's video, because after his NBA, he goes back to Australia. He gets dunked on um, and to his credit, after I guess the turnover, he wanted to, you know, he wanted to defend, and and a guy I don't know, maybe you do, Mitch Creek dunks on him. It is a spectacular posterization, and it leads to a fight. And I'm just curious: is Delhi one of those scrappy guys who can annoy other basketball players on any continent at any level? Yeah, I mean, he annoys he annoys us when he's <laughs> with the national team. Like he's just a he's like a little pest, even. Like I said, like five and five with the national team before Olympics, you're practicing. It's like that's just the way 
he plays. And I think in his career, there's, I think it was, I think it was Kyle Corver in the playoffs, or someone in the playoffs who dove on a loose ball and took his legs out a little bit, and Kyle hurt his knee. Um, but it's like, and obviously, everyone goes automatically to the that he's dirty and he all those type of things. But it's like it's legitimately just the way like he plays. And if you, I mean, if you've known Delhi growing up, like he's from the country, country in Melbourne, like hours, hours out of the city. And um, not that I would never like to say that he's, he's not as skilled, like he's unbelievably skilled, obviously, but, but he's always had, like he went to St. Mary's, he wasn't drafted. He went to Cleveland undrafted and had to make the team. And I mean, the stories in Cleveland is that he was picking up Kyrie full court every day at training camp because that's what he had to do to, to make the team and obviously end up making the team. And then they, got LeBron back and all that happened. He won a championship, but that's just, that's just how he's been his whole career. He, he plays the same way wherever he is, whether it be five and five with the boomers or, or obviously now in Australia. Um, but he's, he's one of those guys that's maximized every, every opportunity and, and every ounce out of his, his body and time to, to get to the highest level and, and obviously stick for, I think he played about seven, eight years. Like I said, won a championship. Um, He's a bronze medalist. He, he's he's done a lot in his his career. From like I said, coming coming to obviously a smaller college and, and being undrafted and, and doing all those things. So he's yeah, he's a he's a hell of a teammate. Obviously, he's, he's a friend. Um, but happy for him to to be playing in Melbourne. He's in his hometown now, and family and friends, and gets to to see see all of them on on the, the daily basis. Do you know Ainge at all? Uh no, I. I mean, I know him. <laughs> I've heard his name, obviously. Um, never spoken to him until yesterday when he when he was here yesterday. Um, but obviously, I'll get to know him. Well, I'll get to know him this year. We'll figure out what happens after that if he likes me or not. But uh, <laughs> he better. <laughs> maybe, I got a radio show to do, Joe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, Maybe if he doesn't like me, I'll do one more episode just to riff on him for a couple, <laughs> a couple minutes. But go. Um, no, I don't. I don't know him. Obviously, I've. I know he's kind of what he's done and where he's been, and obviously even where like the BYU connection and and all that. But um, yeah, like I said, I'll, I'll get to know him over this next few months, and hopefully, he likes me enough to bring me back. If not, we'll uh, we'll have a special episode, and I'll rip apart everyone that didn't want me. <laughs> well, well, that would be a fun episode. Well, nah, it doesn't come to that. Uh, <laughs> Vindictive Joe Ingles is the best Joe Ingles. <laughs> I'm right. I'm right. I'm going to start writing notes now. <laughs> All right. All right, Joe, we appreciate it. Merry Christmas. Enjoy the holidays. Enjoy a string of six straight home games. You get a lot of time. Very in nice. Yep. No boring road days. <laughs> right. Exactly. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, guys. There's Joe Ingles. When we come back, what is trending? Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. 
you know, I think since the New Orleans game, something shifted in our mindset. We realized that we could be a much better team. Obviously, if we move the ball and share the ball, but also if we run back on defense, the transition defense has been, I, I think, was the, the difference between us being a top 10 defense and us being like a top two or top one defense. Hmm. That's Rudy Gobert talking about what got the Jazz on this roll. They've won eight straight games. They'll try to make it nine in a row tonight. The Spurs are in town, so we're all assuming they're going to make it nine in a row. Well, I mean, the goal is to be a top one defense. If you're a top one defense, that means you are the best. But on the other hand, it's a long season. You know, pace yourself. Maybe pick out a spot here or there to jog. <laughs> True story. I talked to Rudy Gobert last night on Unrivaled. A half hour. I thought I was playing tonight. He's playing tonight, but you're going to hear him give me a not bad on a French pronunciation. So get ready. <laughs> All right. That was it. The whole goal was the little, not little. to not get. What in the world did you just say? Let, <laughs> let Rudy know that you've got a little bit of a French accent. Wasn't even trying. Was a little late in uh, getting the call, so you guys taped it. Is what I understand. Uh huh. May have spoken to somebody about that. I saw the email. Rudy would like to push it back. Well, that's too late, but all right. Technology, baby, it's on your side. Yep. What time does that, what time does the Rudy Gobert interview air tonight? Five o'clock. Five o'clock tonight. Yeah. Here on The Zone Sports. Me and, Newark. Me and Tim Lacombe. All right. Uh-oh. Wally Pip. That's all I'm saying, <laughs> Wally Pip. And, <laughs> and not well, that bad. would make you Lou Gehrig, though. I know. I think Lou Gehrig, Gehrig and Rudy that's, Gobert that's tonight, five o'clock. Why would that make him Lou Gehrig? Oh, you're saying Wally Pip the entire show? Yeah. Why? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's a compliment towards him. Yeah. But that the compliment to Wally Lou Gehrig. The compliment in the Wally Pip story is not Wally Pip who took a day off. It's Lou Gehrig who stepped in, got the chance. Right, but that's not him. He's Wally. He's not Lou. I'm not being replaced. It's me and Tim are both Wally Pip. Yes. Okay. We got the Wally Pips. Not the Gladys Knight, but the Wallies. Free association is rolling early. 7 o'clock for the Jazz and Spurs game. Rudy Gobert, 5. Jazz night. Pre-game show, 6. Spurs and Jazz tip off at 7. Jazz are going back-to-back this weekend. They'll play the Wizards Saturday night at 7 o'clock. By the time we get back here Monday morning, it could be a 10-game win streak. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. On the drive in the lane, Levert hangs in the air and puts it in off the right-hand glass. He's matched his season high with 27 points. 80 across the midcourt line. Picked up by Harris. Shoots a three. to Robinson, the lefty alley-oop jam had to move a little bit for that pass from McBride and the Knicks putting on a show down the stretch. Nathan Waiting gets it back now to Chris Paul, 15-foot pass. Chris grabbed by DeAndre Ayton. Highlights from the NBA. The Phoenix Suns blowing out the Washington Wizards 118-98. So clearly the Wizards will not be going back-to-back when they show up on Saturday. That game last night, the Suns rolled to the 20-point win. The Jazz have not played the Suns yet, but you got to keep your eye on them. Late January, they will finally get together. But the Suns and the Warriors, they keep it rolling, PK. 23-5 and for both of those teams, tied for the best record in the NBA. 
You heard the voice there at the end of Al McCoy. He is 88 years old. And he started doing the Suns win. He wasn't the first one. Uh, uh, Rod Hundley did him for a bit. I think it was maybe second, third, third year, somewhere in there. The voice of the Suns. He's all I've ever known, obviously. Suns by 20. That's the the big game. The Nets beat the Sixers. Kevin Durant, 34 points, 11 boards, 8 assists. He's been playing big minutes. Steve Nash talked yesterday that uh, he didn't think it's a good idea for Kevin Durant's uh, health to be playing these kind of minutes. And, of course, when Durant's asked about it, he's going to say he wants to play and he wants to help his team and all that. Coming back from Achilles surgery, how good a shape is he in? How much can how much pounding can his body take? That will that was probably over a be year ago. Debated I mean, going two forward. years ago now. Yeah. Nash is worried about it the minutes he's playing right now. I don't think it has the surgery has anything to do with it. Just general wear and tear on a yeah, guy who's over thirty now. Yeah. NBA and the Players Association agreed to elevate COVID testing for two weeks starting December twenty sixth. Players and staff are going to be tested on. Game days, except for those who received their booster shot 14-plus days earlier, or if they've recently recovered from the virus. So, more testing. Not only if you get your booster, you can skate on it, so maybe they'll get more of the booster, and who knows. And more big names going into health and safety protocols. Russell Westbrook, Avery Bradley to the NBA's health and safety protocols. Lakers hoping to sign NBA journeyman Isaiah Thomas to a 10-day contract via hardship exemption. And the Pelicans forward Zion Williamson, injection in his right foot to help the bone healing process. He'll be reevaluating four to six weeks to see how his foot is recovering. PK, this seems long term now. Seems career threatening. New Orleans, New Orleans Pelicans, Greg Oden. Yep. <laughs> Oden and Walton would be the Sam Bowie, I guess. These other big guys. Walton played, got him a title. Yep. And then obviously won one as a reserve with Boston towards the end. In between, had just tons of injuries better part of the decade. Would you take your star being injured more than not if when he's healthy he wins a title? In the case of Bill Walton in Portland? Uh, teams that have zero titles I think would absolutely do that. So teams that have one would not? Yeah, that's an interesting thing because once Portland got one then their fans were upset that Walton was hurt all the time. Oh, we could have had another one. They could have. They were off to a great start the next year. They could have gone back to back. What were hurt. they? I don't want to tell you, even though I know. You'll <laughs> you just know? make fun of me. Oh, of you course. know. Walton in San Diego, I don't have words for how much that guy got covered. He played his high school ball in San Diego. So if I go down to San Diego tomorrow, hey, what were the Blazers' record the year they won, the, after they won the title? Because you're from San Diego and Bill Walton was. Well, By your logic, era, everybody era, knows. Most people in San okay, Diego. Okay, anybody over 50 years. then. Everybody should know. By your logic, everybody should know. And he calls himself a freaking award winner. That's the dumbest thing you're going to say today. Hey, somebody's a finalist for this is a joke. Of the year. How in the hell do you? What did you do in 2021 that was, was so special? I think it was 15 and 12. What did you do in 2021 that was so special? Put up with you. That's 2019, 2018, <laughs> 2017, I, 2016, a very solid <laughs> 2015. I mean, the only thing I, don't I know, can you'll think have of, to ask the voters. The only thing I could think of is that Juan kicked the ball over to Antonio. Antonio kicked it over to Miguel. Miguel kicked it to Rojas. Rojas kicked it to Boris. Boris is hurt. Here comes the stretcher. That's the, that's the only thing you do. Otherwise, you give people highlights of scores they already know who won. And do interviews. Yeah, but you can listen to everything now on the radio as you're driving home. You could. 
But many people don't find that convenient or interesting. It convenient? That turn on the radio is not convenient? You've made millions off of convenience of the radio, and now all of a sudden it's not convenient? For some people it's convenient, for others it is not. you got to find the audience wherever they are, and they are in many places. Driving home in your car is not convenient. Everyone it's convenient. They may choose not to do it, but it's convenient. It's the one thing, it's the most convenient thing we have in the world in but media. But maybe you're not driving home in your car at that I time. said for driving home! Listen to me. I don't really want to at this point. Jeez. Yeah, Can me. I get some recognition? Just one, yes. one thing? People, I want one compliment today. If you're listening today, please treat me one compliment. Because this guy wins a I told my wife she rolled her eyes. <laughs> what now? I don't know. Go talk to the voters, PK. I don't have a vote. For a long time, the I'm, D News had most of the votes. You got to belong to the organization. There is no D News now. Yeah. You're number one in my heart. I mean, there. Thank are... you. Wrong guy. Not oh, you. PK. Dang it. <laughs> that doesn't sum it up right there. <laughs> that is the ultimate compliment. It must be for me. My goodness. I'm done here. I'm not talking the rest of the morning. F this. I've had it. You have to come on. Your guy Kelly Papinga is coming on. Okay, you I'll love do yourself some Kelly Papinga. He and I go back. I, right? Uh, all right, but that's not uh, till, uh, let's see. That's 8 at 8.30. 30. All right, Pablo's so. coming on at 9.30. Right, so he went to Thunderbird right. High. So I'll do two more things. Okay. I mean, you're, you're gonna the, ignore you're the award winner. Well, I usually do anyway, but you're the award winner. And people want to hear from the award winners. To be journalistically clear, I am not the award winner here. I'm a nominee or finalist. That's or this award, but the other 47 you've won. I get the latest. You're only a finalist. I would kill to be a finalist. <laughs> really? Who would you kill? You. <laughs> <laughs> I've had my life threatened. <laughs> DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. College basketball this weekend. We got another in-state game. BYU is going to Weber State. Cougars are eight and two. Wildcats are nine and two. That game's on KJAZ and ESPN Plus tomorrow night at six o'clock. Got some teams going on the road to play some big-name schools, some Big Ten schools. Utah State's going to go to Iowa. Well, actually, they're not going to go to Iowa. They're going to play in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Utah State will face same, Iowa, though. Same venue the BYU played in last week. 7 p.m. on the Big Ten Network, and that will follow the Southern Utah-Michigan game at 5 o'clock on the Big Ten Network. And the Utes will be on the SEC Network tomorrow at 2.30 against Missouri, who's off to a 5-5 five and five start. A winnable, ga- winnable game for the Utes there. Dixie State's in North Dakota. A lot of college hoops. Any of these catch your eye? You stick with the in-state game. We have a lot of football tomorrow, so it's going to get swamped. It is, yeah. No, I mean, I'll just follow it remotely, so to speak. Yeah. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Mahomes takes the snap at his right thigh, dumps it over the middle, caught by Kelsey at the 30. Spins back up. Hey, Kelsey at the 15-yard line. Kelsey at the 10-5. Touchdown, Kansas City. In the biggest AFC West game in five years, the Chiefs put the hammer down with a 34-yard touchdown pass. Mahomes to Kelsey, and the Chiefs take a commanding two-game lead in the AFC West with a gutsy, gutsy, gutsy win in overtime. That was one gutsy for every 75-yard touchdown drive at the end of the game. 
Chiefs had one touchdown the whole game, and then they had 75-yard touchdown drives on three consecutive possessions to tie it up, force OT, and win it on Kelsey's catch and run. They've pretty much locked up the AFC West now. They are up by two games with three to go, and they'll be battling the Titans and the Patriots for the best record in the AFC. And the Chargers, they did what you wanted, PK. Don't kick the field goals. Go for the touchdowns. But they left nine points out there on the field in an OT loss. Uh, Christmas is next week, guys. I mean, three times inside the five-yard line and zero points. Yes. And and the opening kickoff, you run it all the way back to the 20, whatever it was, and then you just storm down, and then you decide you need to call four passes. Yay! How stupid was that? On the opening kickoff, that, that guy tripped over his own feet. Well, he was trying to, he was make, trying a to make a move. Like, and I, he tripped I, I himself get it. up. You're, you're, you're running at a high speed. And to, to, to actually, when they see the, you know, the old Barry Sanders, the way he would do what he did was just amazing that they can run so fast and then cut. Change and, direction. Yeah, and I mean, cut, and, yeah. and that's, they make it look so simple. So he got tangled up a little bit. I can understand. Every every coach in the history of football, you're going to run the opening kickoff back to the other 20 and the guy's going to fall over himself. You're going to take it? Yes. Uh, I mean, obviously. But, I mean, the play calling was just atrocious, man. I don't know what the heck they were thinking in those situations. Even the last time when they got down on the fumble, they had moved the ball, and then they th- got to throw a pass, and Herbert's back at the 20, and he's got to throw it away. It's, gosh, man, they just blew it big time. Lots of talent, but do you really count on them to be their best when the chips are down? And the Chiefs were at their best when the chips were down. Mahomes with a huge scramble to set up one TD. Kelsey had a couple of big catch and runs. On those last three touchdowns, he had the game winner, but he had one before that as well. I told my wife when I came upstairs, because we were watching the game a little early, and then she didn't want to watch it anymore, so I went downstairs. I said, yeah, the game went into OT. Oh, yeah, yeah. I said, yeah, it must have been uh, must have been exciting how it got to OT. Unfortunately, I fell asleep. <laughs> it was exciting how it got to OT. <laughs> I watched the highlights afterward, but I actually fell asleep, and I woke up as uh, they were walking out for the flip and all that stuff. I would still like to see the other team's offense get a chance to get the ball. I like the way they improved it that you can't win by a dumb field goal, but I still would like the other team's offense. Because in football, you know, you can get, it's not like uh, hockey where a lot of times goals are fluky, they bounce this way or that way, but you can get a player, one player gets out of position and away you go. So I would like to see the other team. I, I, I like... The college, the prior thing, the two-point conversion to me sucks. But well, they were like just the at college. the 25-yard line. I think if they wanted to shorten it, they, they should, in college, they should go back to where it is, four down, start at the 25, but never kick the extra point. It should be two-point conversions right from the start. If you get a touchdown, you got to go for two. So Sunday games, Bengals and Broncos, both 7-6. and six. Winner will be 8-6, and six, tied with the Chargers. For the best record in the AFC wildcard battle, there's a bunch of teams at 7-6. and six. There'll be multiple teams uh, trying to get there to 8-6. and six. The uh, Titans are playing the Steelers. Titans sitting on nine wins. The Bills and the Patriots are playing. Bills fading badly after a good start. The Patriots need a win to stay tied with the Chiefs for the best record in the AFC. And over in the NFC... Packers and Ravens. Ravens have been uh, slumping lately. See if the Packers can keep that going. The Packers need to win out here. Ravens, probably the best team left on their schedule. Uh, The Packers and the Bucks with uh, Tom Brady 
and the Cardinals, all tied for the best record in the NFC. So keep track of them. The Saints and the Bucks of the Sunday night football game. Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence tells reporters the firing of Urban Meyer has given the team clarity. Lawrence said he was a fan of offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel, stepping in as the interim head coach, saying Bevel is very even keel, always the same person, never gets too high or too low. So there's that. And then did you see Bevel not wanting to answer the question or react to the comment about he might win more games as an interim coach than Urban did as a permanent coach? Bevel just smiling, nodding his head, not wanting to get into that. I mean, he's just got to worry about this week's game. DJ and PK. Hashtag BYU. I think everybody on this team kind of feels slighted a little bit by the by the bowl selection committee. And so I think really that's the number one source of motivation is to go out and finish strong and show show teams that we deserve to be up there and to help maybe future teams to show that, you know, we, we shouldn't be slept on. That's Gunnar Romney right there. That's what's motivating the Cougars as they wrap up their season in the Independence Bowl. BYU, UAB. 1.30 on ABC. The Cougar pregame show will start in the zone beginning at 12.30. Back-to-back 11-win seasons, PK. The last time the group will be together. Inevitably, guys always move on. So put the exclamation point on the season with one more win. Sure. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm into it. I'm into both of these games. And it, it, the way I look at it, when you have something that you love and it's running out of time... You cherish it more. This is local college football. I just spent the last three-plus months watching every single game. Why wouldn't I watch this? What am I going to do tomorrow? (laughs) It's going to be really cold. Yeah. (laughs) There's tons of snow out there. And BYU and Utah State are playing bowl games. So BYU won 30 on ABC. And then if they win, depending on what happens with the teams in front of them, maybe they'll get to the top 10 and be able to talk about that. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah State. Aggies in Oregon State following the BYU-UAB game. BYU kicks off at 1.30, then the Aggies in Oregon State kick off at 5.30. Both those games on ABC. Aggies are 10-3, playing 7-5 Oregon State in the inaugural Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl. Scotty G will have the play-by-play. Pre-game show will start at 4.30. The game will start at 5.30 here on The Zone. This thing here for Utah State, I mean, they've got all sorts of... Uh, motivation. I mean, they shouldn't lack anything, right? I mean, Utah State, 11 wins. How many times does that happen? Well, uh, and you have an opportunity to play in the stadium, you know, the new stadium. That, that's going to be a thrill of a lifetime for many of those kids on both sides because they're not going to go to the NFL. You know what I mean? Get to and play on an NFL field. That's exciting. I, I think it is. Absolutely. Plus, it's the Jimmy Kimball Bowl. And <laughs> as you know, Jimmy... He went to Arizona State. And UNLV, yes. I don't care about that. He claims UNLV. He says his parents dragged him to Arizona against his will. <laughs> All sorts of motivation. Pac-12 team, bookend Pac-12 wins. This is a great opportunity. Fourth double-digit win season in a decade for Utah State. Can they get 11 wins? This will be the third time they get 11 wins. Gary Anderson had 11 uh, his last year in the when they won the WAC title. Only you care about that crap. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. 
Dylan Gabriel announcing he'll be transferring to UCLA, the former UCF quarterback, making the move to Los Angeles. Former Nebraska starting quarterback Adrian Martinez is headed to Kansas State for his final season of eligibility. Free agency has hit college football. Quarterback's on the move. Michigan State running back Kenneth Walker III opted out of the Peach Bowl to enter the NFL draft. He'll begin prepping immediately. Pitt quarterback Kenny Pickett has also announced he's opting out of playing for the Panthers in the Peach Bowl. The Peach Bowl. Out! LSU quarterback Miles Brennan. Been an on-and-off starter for the Tigers, withdrew his name from the NCAA transfer portal, and will play for new head coach Brian Kelly in 2022. Bowl season. We got bowl games today. Middle Tennessee and Toledo. The Bahamas Bowl, 10 a.m. on ESPN. Followed by Northern Illinois and Coastal Carolina Cure Bowl at 4 o'clock on ESPN2. So, football today. And then uh, tomorrow, I think it's five games tomorrow. Big schedule tomorrow, but we'll be focused on the BYU and Utah State games here. That is what is trending. There are your headlines. Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, joins us at 8 o'clock. The question of the day, next. The Cougars finally know where they're going bowling as Kalani Sitaki and BYU is headed to the Independence Bowl. Independence Bowl. The Zone Sports Network will get you ready for kickoff as the Cougars wrap up an incredible season in a battle against UAB. Your home for the best coverage of Cougar football is right here. Right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair, it's 2021 and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit www.utahairmd.com. Question of the day, bowl season's here. BYU and Utah State are going for 11 wins. How can you not be fired up? Dan says, I'm not fired up for UAB in the Independence Bowl. I've tried, but it's just kind of hard to be. I disagree completely. The last game. You're fired up before you say goodbye to college football for months. I think it's the next game. Uh, for the Cougars, they're on the precipice of something entirely brand new. It's about building momentum because... I think I'm starting to sense a level of optimism that I think is not there, but people think it is there. And what I mean by a lot of folks, including some ding-dongs in the media, thought that Utah was going to storm into the Pac-12. And I had one of their coaches, not Kyle, go down and just check off, okay, we start this kid, he's a Mountain West kid. We start this kid, he's a Mountain West kid. I mean, literally went right down the lineup letting me know that this is going to be difficult. And I'm sensing that there's some BYU fans who think, yeah, man, we're going to just take, come on, we're going to jump right in that big 12. The Baylor game isn't any kind of warning shot. They're the top. They're the best. Yep. So it just gets dismissed. We'll handle the rest of the league. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe, I mean, you can have a successful season. And, and not, not win every yeah, game. I mean, Oklahoma, had a, Oklahoma right. State had a successful season. 
I mean, they lost it, especially now. That's what I tried to tell. I remember Scotty and Gordon, we had the uh, thing we had, the, the college football roundtable uh, earlier in the year. And, and they, you guys were down at, uh, uh, what's the place down there by the Marley's? Yeah. And I had contact tracing, so I had to stay home. But I was on the remote stuff. Uh, I think you were driving in. Mm-hmm. You did the first hour. I did yeah. the second. We switched yeah. out. Yeah, because yeah. I, I wanted to go, but I couldn't. They wouldn't let me. Uh, I felt fine, but nevertheless, those are the rules. And they were going on about how Kyle needs to change because he hasn't won the conference. And I keep saying, what are, what are you people talking about? I, I tried to educate them, but they wouldn't listen. I feel bad for them you know, because I'm me and they're them. And I tried to tell them, you're putting all your stock into one game. They lost the one game. You got me there. But change everything. And so the point I'm making is that Oklahoma State shouldn't feel like its season is a failure because they lost that one game. You play all these games, you play nine games, and then, okay, that's not good enough. Now we got to have one more game to determine it. And that's a concocted thing. That, it's, the, that game is basically for entertainment purposes only to try to make as much money as you can, right? I mean, in, in my mind, they ought to just have a conference. There's no need for the title game. Uh, Not in a 10-team league when you've already played everybody and there's round robin. It's all taken care of. Whatever league. I mean, the years in the Pac-12 or Pac-10, they didn't play everybody, and they still didn't have a conference title game. So I, just because you lose that one game doesn't mean your season is a failure. So I think a lot of people think that BYU can jump in to this conference and be – at the top third just because we're BYU and we've done all this, this, and this recently. I don't think that's the case. I think if they're going to they're gonna have some hard times, potentially, maybe not, but I'm not as optimistic, which I'm not usually anyway, but that they're going to just take the league by storm. And so the point I'm making is for the Cougars, they need to develop and build as much momentum as possible. And for this one, this isn't really... Uh, like if they win the Independence Bowl, that's not where it's at for me. It's not about the Independence Bowl. It's about going eleven and two, coming off an eleven and one, because I think they need to build as much momentum because they're going to have to increase their recruiting. If you want to argue a little, if you want to argue st- substantially, whatever, or somewhere in between, it's up to you. But I think going forward here. They're going to have to be better than they are right now. And this is coming right from their staff. So you can argue with me all you want because they can't come out and say these things, but they can tell me these things knowing that I don't give those guys up so I can say it. And that's what I'm being informed as to what they're thinking. So that's their line of thinking. And that's why this game, it's not about the Independence Bowl. It's about continuing to build momentum and you literally cannot afford to have momentum slip. And so you're supposed to win this game, and you should. And then we'll go the rest of the bowl season. They put the, on, the, on the screen across, they list the bowl games and the winners. You know what I mean? And it's just BYU, another positive, going in the Big 12. You want as many positives pointing in that direction as possible, and this is another opportunity to have one. Kyle Whittingham at his... Uh uh, press conference after to announce all the signing day and all the kids coming in said winning's the number one thing that helps with recruiting. So you just keep every time you play and you win, you get a chance to call those kids, text those kids, visit with them, whatever, and remind them you're a winner. 
right. one after another, and you just keep stacking them up. And the truth is, in any year, you know, it's like, oh, it's not this game, it's the big game. Well, the big game is one that we talk about and you remember, but you have to beat the, I mean, you want to beat the 10 or 11 win team in the big game, and you want to beat your rival, and they did, they beat Utah this year, but you've got to beat the teams that are 6 and 6 and 8 and 4. If you're going to add up to 11 and 2, I get it's not the sexiest win, and it's not the one we're going to remember and talk about later on. But the only way to get to 10, 11, 12 wins is to win those games and just clean up on those opponents one after another. Yeah, I'm not really even talking about the 17, 18 year olds. I'm talking about the donors uh, who are going to get excited about the program. And you need to build momentum with them. And you need to say, this is what we've got going here. We've locked up our guy. Everybody loves him. He's like, uh, you know, he's Ray Romano. Everybody loves Kalani Sataki. Right? Everybody. Everybody loves the guy. He's the most lovable dude. He's, people talk about him being the next Lavelle Edwards. In terms of lovable, he's the next Ron McBride. Everybody loves Ron McBride. Doesn't matter who you are. Everybody loves the guy. He's an institution in our community. True right? story. And so you've got somebody who knows how to treat you like you're special whether you're donating 20 bucks or $20,000 or whatever it is he's he just has that ability so they need to continue to cultivate that stuff because that stuff is extremely important you can't draw a direct line between money and success but it's not that far off <laughs> <laughs> true story yes you look at the list of budgets, and the biggest budgets win. Right. Now more than ever. And the NIL. I was now talk- there's just all this money that's off budget, but it still matters. It matters a ton. I'm talking yesterday afternoon to an agent. Well-known in the business. Uh, NFL dude's got ton- dozens and dozens of clients, right? And we're talking about how the just all the changes that have been going on. Now, the changes that are going on are largely in college as opposed to the NFL. And so he's telling me that he's getting calls, a lot of calls from mom and dads saying, where do I send my son to college where he can get the most money, the most money that's available to him for NIL. What have you heard? What do you know as far as that stuff? And I'm sitting on my couch just listening, and he's telling me all this stuff that's going on. Again, it's another thing that we've been talking about for years, how I've said if you don't think that these kids are getting paid, you just don't know. You don't have contacts in the in the business. You're a newbie, and you haven't paid your dues to, to know that. And so they've been getting paid a ton. Now they're going to get paid more, and it's going to be, quote-unquote, legal, even though... Uh, whether it's legal or not, and it's BYU and the Built Bar is going to get investigated. What a waste of time. And going forward, we're going to see that. And schools, he's telling me schools are getting representatives to get them NIL deals for their kids in a manner that, well, we're not setting it up. Joe Blow's agency is setting it up. They have a third party. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, you got to have the work. And so he's telling me all this Which stuff. Which never, ever, ever made any sense to me. Schools can't set it up. Of course schools are going to set it up. The kids move, too f- move through the program too fast, don't have the connections and knowledge of background. 
of course schools are going to set it up. They're either going to do it officially or they're going to do it unofficially. And if that's the industry trend through third parties, I still don't see how that's different. And I don't see, quote unquote, why that's wrong. That's the that's the key. I, I just I don't think it's different whether the school does it or there's an outside parallel agency booster. Right. I wouldn't under, I don't understand how anyone could possibly hear this is coming and not think okay, the school can't set it up. Then there'll be somebody who is a booster. Maybe they'll stop donating to the athletic department so they're not officially a booster, and they will set it up and run it. There'll be a booster in that sense because they'll be funneling NIL money to players. Yeah, I don't know. But maybe they just can't, can't do it though. I don't know that they can or can't. But like the obvious workarounds, well, smart people who are fans are going to figure this out in like five minutes. It's what what Tom Homo said. We had him on right when this thing came down in July, was it? And we had him on like the next day. And he said, there's all sorts of stuff that we don't have any idea where it's going to go down, which road, that road, all roads. And so basically, what's the expression? The barn door is open mm-hmm. and it's not closing. And, and and these kids, they're going to get all sorts of money, 20000 40000 60000 you, you, you know, depending on who you are and what your personality is and where you go from there. Uh, all those things are going to matter. And... This is a this is a guy, an agent who's not really involved in the collegiate ranks. Uh, yeah, but he's going to talk to all these and build relationships because then he's got a better chance of getting clients. If well, the kid he, hits it big and turns out to be a pro, yeah, he doesn't really need clients. I mean, he's got that his portfolio is massive. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'll always take him, but it's not like he's scrounging for work. He he's got. He's plenty. Not, he's not Jerry Maguire just leaving the firm trying right. to get one client. Right. And you're certainly going to take, you know, whatever. You're always going to take more opportunity to make more money. We understand all that. But just as he was talking and, and explaining the stuff that's out there, this is a big deal. And kids uh, are where they're at in terms of looking to get the money that they need or not necessarily. Well, some of them need it for sure, but they get money available. So that's what BYU needs to be doing. And, and Utah State needs Everybody needs to be doing it because it's this part is of the gig. This the is just now. this a is a order. fire that is going to be a wildfire. <laughs> I mean, it is just going to spread like crazy. And the days of they don't get nothing, which I never bought anyway, because I think you can get an education you don't have to pay for. Uh, you can cash in on it literally 40 years later. But nevertheless, you can cash in on it today, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. when, when I went now to college, down when, I, when I went to college, Byron Scott was there, big man on campus with basketball, right? And I didn't know where he was from at the time. But I later worked in that community in Inglewood and was there, was at his high school mm-hmm. and saw it, you know, and the car that he was driving was not indicative of a scholarship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that you were getting the scholarship. Yeah. And hey, guy was an incredible basketball player. So he brought the university money. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I can argue he's their best player ever. And they haven't been anything really for many, many years, but they were decent then. Because of a guy like him. <laughs> you know, I guess Harden you can put in there too, but uh, probably, probably put Harden maybe a little bit over Scott because Scott was overshadowed. He had to take a back seat to those Hall of Famers on the Laker team. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, the baby blue uh, convertible that he was driving, now it's going to be more out in the open. Just, Jerry Tarkanian was thinking, man, I wish I was born 
80 years later. Yeah. <laughs> he was the big rebel, literally and figuratively. And, and that, this is where we're I going love, with this. I love packed in transfers. <laughs> the cars are already paid for. And why not take something that has been so seedy and try to reduce it, not eliminate it, but try to reduce the seediness, especially in that sport where one or two guys can make a massive difference. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Not that one or two guys can't change a football game, but the impact they have in basketball when there's only five guys and you yeah. can have the ball every possession. So I think all this stuff is important for the Cougars. It's not about the Independence Bowl. I'm not hung up on the Independence Bowl. I'm hung up on what this program is trying to achieve and build at a time where this is an exciting time because the future is potentially promising, but it's also mysterious and where do you go from here? And how do you negotiate it? What rivalries are you going to build? You know, you're probably going to build some rivalries. You don't know which ones are because you have virtually no exposure to any of these teams. I mean, who's to say that Central Florida and BYU aren't battling it out in three years? You know what I mean? It could happen. Yeah. So that's exciting. And it's mysterious. And it's a, it's a brand new world. In a, in a manner, it's more mysterious and exciting than what BYU or Utah was going into. Because we knew about Oregon and SC and, and all that. You know? Yeah, and the Big 12's changing because two teams are right, going, right. four are coming in, right. as opposed to Utah and Colorado are coming in. There's way more change in the Big 12. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And there's, there's and you got so much where, unknown. Where the arrow looks like it's up. The arrow looks like it's up at UCF. The arrow looks like it's up at Cincinnati and at Houston. And at the same time, any coaching change could sink any of them. Potentially. Oklahoma exactly. State, Baylor, yeah. Iowa State, Kansas State's had time. All these programs, I don't scoff at any of them. They've had their moment. It can be done. Yeah. Yeah. Kansas even got an Orange Bowl. Uh, you know, they haven't been and good. Then it all went wrong. Right. So you know, I don't but, anticipate you know, that. That's another reason that Utah State and BYU fans should be into winning this game. Because you said this a long time ago. When you're losing, it seems like you'll never get out of it. When you're winning, it seems like it'll never end. But if you've been following these teams, I mean, just look at Kalani. Year one, nine and four. It looked great, but they graduated a quarterback. He went off to the NFL. Nine and four turned into four and nine. Then got back to seven and six. It was kind of okay, but nobody was really happy. Uh, Nobody knew they were on the verge of going 21 and three in the next 24 games. And at some point, it'll end. And at some point, you'll be able to say, like with Croton, now we can say it definitively, but we didn't know it at the time. He starts 14 and two. They fly into Reno the morning of the game. The program's never the same. For uh, Under him. I flew in the night before, and I was still gassed. <laughs> so you never know when you're walking out to a game, like, this is the game where Team X is going to take off. This is the game where yeah. Team Y is going to collapse. And you talk about coaching changes. You know, Utah State, what, Boise's got to miss on somebody sometime. You would think. Not every coach can Not be a every coach run. can come in and it, crush it. But for Utah State, it's a couple of things. They have an opportunity to be the best team in their division, 
maybe if Boise slips a little. And the reality is, if Blake Anderson puts together two seasons like this, he's going to be hot as can possibly be. But if he puts together two great seasons and leaves the program in phenomenal shape, that gives you an opportunity much better to get somebody more qualified to replace him if it comes to that. You were just yelling at me that nobody cares about how many 11-win seasons, but if they win this game tomorrow and he has another big year and he gets a job and can go off and double, triple, quadruple his money, whatever it is, wherever it is, if you're the AD at Utah State and you're interviewing people and you're trying to get somebody, are you dropping the line? The last three coaches who've come through here won 11 games and got a Power 5 job and doubled or tripled their money? Or do all the candidates already know that and it yeah, doesn't even need to be said? I don't know that I'd bring that up. Man, we're a great stepping stone. Come here. <laughs> I don't know that I say that. But all the coaches do their homework and they know. Well, it doesn't need to be said. If the Notre Dame coach and the Oklahoma coach can leave, then the friggin' Utah State State coach coach can can leave. leave. Come on. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. David Locke, radio voice of the Jazz, coming up in 15 minutes right here on The Zone. With a blowout victory over San Diego State, Blake Anderson and the Aggies have brought an improbable Mountain West Conference Championship to Logan. Logan. Now the Aggies prepare for a showdown against Oregon State in the first ever L.A. Bowl in SoFi Stadium. Your home for the best coverage of Aggie football. Aggie football. As well as all the play-by-play action is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK visiting with Britton Covey. Britton, you didn't waste any time. You decided to announce the Rose Bowl's going to be the last game. That was a nice line, though, as far as, you know, Social Security and your <laughs> senior year. Yeah, well, some of those are so serious, I decided to, you know, bring a little comic <laughs> relief into it. But You had said earlier in the season that you thought that this was going to be it. Uh, was there any wavering as the season progressed? Uh, I would say the only wavering came in the fact that, you know, name, image, and likeness opportunities, I feel like, opened the door for, uh, you know, the possibility of maybe staying another year trying to make a little bit of money while you're doing it because the NFL is so unpredictable, right? We've seen that through the years. Some of the best college players you've ever seen, and then either they don't pan out or they don't get a shot or they get injured, and so... More than anything, I just want to keep playing football. And so uh, I know that, you know, logistically and and subjectively, the best thing to do would be to leave right now. So uh, PK knows I like to Google all kinds of random facts. And I did Google, when you made your announcement, I did Google smallest receivers in the NFL. And I got to say, I was surprised how many players there are in yeah. the NFL at skill positions, some running backs, some receivers, some return guys, between 5'6 and 5'9. Yeah. How much did you dig into all of that making the decision? Uh, I've, dig- I've dug into that for years, I think. Um, I think that the reality of an NFL possibility or career only became real to me, you know, 2018, 2019. I, it was always like a dream, but I'm like, ah, there's no way. But now, it, you know, it's become a reality. And, and I feel like what's cool is you look at someone like Devin Lloyd, right? Every team, all 30-whatever teams would take him if, they're, if he's available in the draft. For someone like me, I'm such a situational player that I only need two or three teams to be interested in me. Um, I don't need all 30 teams because I, I won't get that. So if I can just get a few teams, um, and I've already talked to some scouts, and, and they know what I can do in the return game, and they've also said, you know, we're not dumb. We know that Utah's a tight end heavy system, a running back heavy system. You, you haven't gotten as many opportunities. and So I'm hoping I can go in as both. 
Sort of remind me a little bit, maybe a slightly smaller Reno Mahi. Hey, I, Reno is my my mentor after you know. So, <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think uh, he's got a little bit more bulk to him. Right. I've got a little bit more speed, um, but. It's that when you get the ball in your hands, it's kind of this that natural ability to, you know, get upfield, fall forward, even at your size. So, I, you know, I've had lots of comparisons. I, I, I watch Colt Beasley religiously. I love how he plays his routes. Um, so there are a lot of examples. You know, 15 years ago, I don't know if you'd be able to find as many, but. So route running is so important, and I had heard about you in an NFL dream, and you know, I mean, I thought, wow, he's way small. But I'm watching the Michigan game, and I'm curious if you remember this moment. You're going to the north end zone. You're, I think you're in the red zone, uh-huh. and you're in the slot. You go inside, you plant the foot, you go back outside, and the linebacker just can't change directions multiple times. And that was the first time I thought, wow, if you can start and stop and change right. direction like that, maybe you are an NFL guy. Is that, is that yeah. one of those moments you have I to was... hold on to? Gun right double, jet five purple. That was the play call. And, uh, yeah, it was a slant return against Jabril Peppers about the 15-yard line. And, honestly, I, if, if they can't touch you, you, you know, you, ha- you keep that. And so that's always been my game, I feel like. Have you gotten more feedback as far as a uh, returner or as a, a uh, receiver or both? Uh, more as a returner, but I've gotten interest in both as well, so. Thank you. Thanks, Britton. There's Britton Covey with PK, and I have to practice earlier this week. What's Julius Peppers doing now, PK? He's retired. (laughs) Jabril Peppers, not Jabril. Long, Long, lengthy career. (laughs) Britton's still in college. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think there's a soul. Now that he's done and he can't beat you in Provo, I don't think there's a soul in our state who doesn't wish the best for him. I mean, the guy's just a dream come true. He's a local kid. He's small. He's a great interview. He's available. He's accessible. He's articulate. I mean, it really is a dream. Who doesn't want him to succeed and make the NFL? Just For him, just making a roster in the NFL is a slam dunk, smashing success. So, And I'm not going to doubt him. He deserves a chance. I mean, he's done it. Uh, to me, you went that Michigan one. Mm-hmm. I went sitting in the Coliseum, the punt return against SC. That was phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> he was just bouncing all over the field. Right. I mean, he was pinball city. Yeah. He's there. He's here. He's over there. Now he's back there. And he's just I'm all, zigging. I'm zagging. Yeah, to be able to to have those types of uh, feet to do that. And it did. I went and saw Reno play a lot in high school because I live out in that area and I'd heard about him. And he was so fun because his feet were always moving and guys were diving at him. They couldn't get a clean shot because he was so evasive and all that. And, and, and you know, he did play in the NFL. He wasn't drafted, I don't think, but he did. He was with the, the Eagles for a bit. And so I'm not going to put it past Covey. That would be just tremendously awesome to see a local kid like that, especially his size, too. You know, he's so small. And to be able to do that. That punt return against SC, and I, and I got a lot of friends that you know, we're going back 20 years when he first entered college, and uh, I'm just joking, what was it, 2015? And, you know, I still got a bunch of people down there, so I'm sitting with them in press row, and they're like oohing and on because it was a phenomenal run. And you do that, I mean, that can make a difference in a ball game, and it's worth having. I mean, if you can add value to an NFL team, they're going to keep you. And so he maybe he can do that. And he used Beasley, who's he with the Bills now, is with the Cowboys. And guys like him succeed. It's awesome, man. 
It was awesome. It's always fun to interview him. He's one of these guys, one of these local guys that when they leave, I'm going to miss. You know, like a Chase Hansen. Used to talk to him, talk to his dad out on the road and all that stuff. And then they go away. <laughs> you know? And then they're gone doing their thing. And Chase, what, with the Saints? And so you, you, you miss those guys. Nothing but success. And I did notice at the end of the interview, because you're an award winner, he did say, thank you, David. No clue who I'm at, who I am, but he did say thank you, David. Coming up. See, he can't deny it. Kelly Papinga. He cannot deny and he it. Will well, we not just, deny we it. just heard it. I mean, we didn't hear it. It wasn't played. You cut it off? Yeah. It was very. Because he was moving away from the mic. It the got file you guys sent me, I had to cut it off because he yeah. was already moving away. I told you he cut it off. We just heard it. Does yep. the guy listen to anything except himself? Nah. I'm thinking about the next <laughs> thing I'm going to say. <laughs> Kelly Papinga is going to join us. University of Virginia co defensive coordinator, linebackers coach. Change coming to Virginia with Bronco Mendenhall stepping down. David Locke is going to join us next. The radio voice of the Utah Jazz. DJ and PK have brought to you part by Davis Vision. They've got a special going on. It's the fifth annual Black Friday sale. It's been extended through December at Davis Vision. Tired of glasses or contacts? Get LASIK now and save $1,400. There are limited spots available, so act now. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. DJ and PK... It's time to bring in David Locke. His weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto team. And David joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain's state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial properties. Or you can call 877-346-3333. Save 30 to 50% on your commercial properties' water costs. Or call 877-346-3333. David, good morning. Good morning. My live stream hasn't ended, so people are watching me do this show with you right now. <laughs> how many people? I know I am. <laughs> oh, I don't know how many people, but it didn't like end the way it was supposed to. So, we'll, well, let now them linger then. And Put they, your shirt on. Yeah, I have a shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I did anything crazy in those few minutes. It's always a nerve-wracking thing to start to retract your last five steps and wonder what you did on the left. <laughs> sure, I can probably take my nose somewhere on the left. How are you guys? What another, like, you have the best jobs in the world. Like, you, you're going to have to amend your long-standing um, rules, David James. Yeah. You have your little philosophies that there's X amount of days a year that like it's a layup and then you really make your money the other days. I actually don't agree with it. I actually think you make your money on the the ones who can do a a unique show on the, on the easy days are the ones that are the best. Um, that's what you guys always do. When people listen to you, they always get a little bit of a different perspective, easy on, even on what you would think of as a layup show. But boy, let me tell you what, not many guys get to go back and play t-ball as adults. I mean, they just (laughs) like, they just play from there for you every day. (laughs) There have been a few stories. There's been a little bit going on. Three college football teams here won 30 games. And they're not like just stories. Like, I mean, obviously Danny Ainge is amazing. That's what we're going to talk about. I don't want to derail this. But like the Jackson State story is one of the most fascinating, like five, six, seven, eight days worth of topics. But Deion Sanders getting this recruit. 
Cash. In the new nil world? Cash. And can I just tell you that there's nothing I enjoy more than watching these coaches who've been having boosters for all these years behind the scenes, paying their players and doing all this stuff illegally, and now this in public? You would think it, oh my goodness gracious, Dabo Sweeney, can I just laugh in your face? <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody minds on this side of the country seeing that guy struggle. I don't, I don't know. I'm South Carolina is probably different, but around the ACC, they're probably enjoying it too. Uh, so I do want to talk to you about Danny Ainge. You yeah. grew up with the Carl Malone poster on your wall. I did. Famously. And the three of us, you, me, PK, going to jazz games in the 90s. And the jazz were always a team, and it was a Jerry Sloan philosophy. Maybe he got it from Frank. Uh, but I know Jerry believed that when teams are together, the third-year guys were together. As they're playing, you know, 175, 200, 225 games together, they are getting to a level where everybody knows what everybody else is going to do, whether the next thing happens is A, B, or C. And they'll all re- react together. And just that, that little bit of uh, just almost uh, ESP, right? I know what's coming before it's coming, makes teams a little better. And the line between winning and losing is so fine. But Danny Ainge is the CEO now. And Danny Ainge, he'll make moves. He'll be more aggressive. He'll turn over the roster more quickly. Do you think that changes a little bit? Do you think this organization is in for some surprises and the fan base better better get itself ready for what is coming? How is this going to play out? So, I, so, one, on your point on just how the team's playing, they're just these plays every, on one, one or two a night where – like a team tries to surprise us and the guys like pause, realize what's happening and react. It's just awesome. It's just, it's really amazing. Um, I don't remember. I think it might've been in Minnesota. I don't know where it was, but there was one where Donovan started a move and they doubled him out of nowhere. Royce reacted immediately correctly, but Donovan actually hadn't seen that Royce reacted correctly. So Donovan actually had, pulled it out already and then started to signal. And as he went to signal to Royce, like, hey, this is what they're doing, Royce was like, yeah, I already got it, man. I was already there. Like, let's just do it again. So Donovan went right back to the right spot. They doubled him. He hit Royce in the middle, rotated to Boyan. I don't know if they made the three, but um, it was just one of those things where you saw it. So I actually have dug into Danny Ainge pretty significantly, um, obviously. over the, and, and there's a lot of data. Like, it's a pretty interesting hire, right? We, there's not very often you get 18 years of someone's work to look at, to try to figure out his characteristics. And I, I'm not sure. I think that all of the characterizations of him, if you look at the 18 years of work are actually accurate. One of them, like he is a trader, mm-hmm. but he's a trader, like at the big moment. And then he's really a fringe trader. Um, and he's actually a fringe trader before and after the moments, which is, so if you kind of go look back before he makes, the Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen deals, he's making like he takes over in, in a year. He just kind of, he, he gets these tiny little advantages on deals um, along the way. And then, and those are kind of the deals he just makes. And, and they seem like immature. And you look back at them now and you're like, Oh, what was that? Like, why did that matter? But you can kind of find over the thread, some little piece somewhere in the process. Like, Oh, that's why he did that. Cause you don't, not every deal has to be a massive grand slam. And then the next signature is, he clearly understands 
other teams' desires, like he's the ultimate Stephen Covey, seven habits of highly effective people, view the world through someone else's lenses. And he got that Phoenix was in desperate financial trouble and had to get rid of a draft pick, that they didn't want to take their draft pick, and so he ended up with Rajon Rondo. And he got that Oklahoma City wanted to be as terrible as they possibly could be in Seattle so they could redo Major League and get to the golden haven of Oklahoma City so we all could go there twice a year because it's so wonderful instead of going to the Pacific Northwest. And he got Ray Allen for Jeff Green. And he knew that Kevin Garnett was forcing his way out of Minnesota and mad. And he got and he gave them some value, but not great. And he knew that... Um, uh, Pokorov was desperate for a winner, and he fleeced him, right? And he knew that Philadelphia was desperate for the shebang and the number one pick rather than the number three pick and that they needed that, and he took advantage of that. Like, you can just look down the road of when he's made the major moves, he's got someone who has a need. He's not fleecing them in the sense that he's not giving them what they want, but he's certainly taking advantage of their desperation in that moment throughout his career. I also think, too, the hard decisions, and you went through his highlights, and everyone's going to go back to that trade to got them the title there with the three guys, uh, and all Paul Pierce, uh, obviously we know who, what, how that turned out. The other stuff, you know, he did fleece those guys, but it's not like the team did a whole lot with, uh, with Jason Tatum. They haven't yet, anyway. Well, I mean, he got, see, that trade yields him Jalen Brown and Jason yeah. Tatum. They still haven't done a whole lot, though. But, I mean, it's just the right yeah, thing. I mean, the thing that I was going to bring up, the thing that I liked that he did, is he'll make the hard decision. And he had the hard decision with Isaiah Thomas, and he made it. And in retrospect, it looks like clearly that was the right decision. So sometimes these guys are a little hesitant to make the tough decision, the easy decision, you know, to get those guys that you just mentioned. Sure, you do that. But sometimes you got to make the hard decision, and that's what I like about him. And I think um, that's where we are. Right? Yes. Like, our next move is the most difficult move. First of all, we're very limited in how we could do it. Second of all, you have a 500 team and you make a trade, like, you know, so what? Like, the be- there's not a lot of downside to that. Like, it doesn't, it's not a lot that's going to go wrong at that point. Um, you know, you, you could either be 500 probably again, or maybe it gives you a little boost. But right now, the trade we're about to make, you, you, you could go make a move right now and just, dis- lodge this apple cart and all of a sudden you've ruined one of the best teams in the NBA. You could make a move right now. And no matter what move you make right now, you're moving a beloved player of both teammates, front office and fan base. Like there's like these guys like each other. They've all been together so long that the front, like they all get a you know, the, an outside set of eyes that might be willing to say, you know, okay, I got you, love this guy, but like here's the reality of like what his return to us is over the next 18 months, and I think that that probably means we've got to make this move. That is an easier conversation to be had probably with another set of eyes. And then the last one that I would mention, and, and I, I hope this doesn't come off arrogantly, but I've just been very fortunate over the last few years of, by running locked on decisions are super hard. Like I've lost a lot of sleep over some really simple decisions or how I'm getting a group to a decision or what we're doing on something. They're just really hard. And I'm sure Justin Zanuck was perfectly capable of doing this, you know, but why wouldn't you add someone else? But if I'm just looking at it from Justin, then I was thinking this when I was watching Justin in a presser this week. 
it's just super hard. And you don't you have a sort of a relationship with Ryan Smith that's building over time and Justin's a great people person, so I'm sure he's got a pretty good relationship. But like this is having another person to just bounce that idea off. If you're not just an egomaniac who has to be the one, then it's wildly productive. And Justin's not that guy. That's not who Justin is. So the fact is, like, if I'm been Justin and I'm just isolating this to Justin and I'm in his chair for the last, like, this next decision, while exciting, is super hard. And to have somebody else, you can kind of say, hey, I'm thinking of these two, three things. What's your thought? How do you look at it? What's your viewpoint? Is incredibly valuable. Um, because, like, they're just decisions are really, really hard. There has been plenty of commentary, and you can find it nationally, especially if you're a Jazz fan, you got a chip on your shoulder. Hey, the Jazz are good, but they're not on the Warriors' son's level, and don't waste my time talking about it. You buying that? How to respond? And Because it, it plays into what we're just talking about here at Ainge. If a hard decision has to be made to get the Jazz up one more level so they don't go out in the second round again, or, hey, they're already there. It was massed early in the year. The team's good, but they lost some games before Rudy Gay got uh, worked in the rotation, and they're, they're good to go. Don't worry about what the standings say, and don't worry about outside noise from whatever person on whatever website or TV show. <coughs> Um, so, I mean, I think we have probably like a 15 to 20% chance to win the title. Yeah. And I think so does Phoenix and so does Golden State. Milwaukee probably has about a 22% chance to win the title. And that actually put Brooklyn at like a 17, 16% chance to win the title. Like, I kind of think that's how it is right now. You know, those numbers are probably, I probably should drop all those numbers about two or 3% and go give the Lakers 3% chance. And I actually think the Clippers probably deserve a 10% chance if Kawhi gets back. And even if Kawhi doesn't get back, I think they could win a lot of playoff series. Um, really like them. So they're, you know, there's just, they're on the fringes. They're boy, Lawrence Frank's done a great job and a bunch of stuff, but like the Abaca, like, let's see if he plays again. Did he just disappear for the year? Like what just happened? Something weird just happened with Abaca. Like, where's that going? Um, so maybe not, maybe I, maybe I should stop my Clipper love. Um, but I think that um, to, I mean, so that's my answer to your question is we have a chance. It's the same as everybody else's really at this point. It's kind of how I thought it was at the beginning of the year. I do think Phoenix is, if someone wants to raise the flag of disrespect, it's Phoenix, not us. I mean, they went to the NBA Western Conference Finals. They went to the NBA Finals last year. They're playing without Devin Booker, and they keep winning. Like, holy smokes. And they won by a 20 last night again, right? Yeah. And I don't think Booker played. I mean, if someone and I and I have Phoenix, if I'm if I'm being totally honest in all my metrics that I run before the season, I have Phoenix pretty considerably ahead of everybody else in the West. And the thing on Phoenix is, I think Booker, Aiton, and Bridges will all get considerably better as the year goes on this year. They're still in development stage. They've had the NBA Finals experience. They're better. I also had the Jazz second in the West because I had Donovan and Rudy still getting better. And other than Luca, those were the only players I had in the West that from a career trajectory point, we're going to change where they were on their, on the totem pole of excellence. And that has turned out to be true. Donovan and Rudy are much better players than they were um, a year ago. Donovan, dramatically so. And so I actually would say that I think um, that increases our chances of, 
more than I had our chances of the year started. Donovan and Rudy are pretty close to both top 10 players in the NBA right now. That's exactly where I was going with my next thought as far as Donovan Mitchell because you put Steph Curry on a plane unto himself, but where do you put Mitchell? And I think you already answered that to me. I think you know, Curry is just absolutely sensational. But other than that, at that position, I think Mitchell's right there. Can I geek you out and like you can stop and tell me if you don't if it like makes no sense? Because I really don't. This is actually the last thing I did right before I came on the show, so it's what it's I'm fresh. thinking about in regards yeah. to Donovan's progression. Please. So I have an uh, seriously, just like if it's not making sense, stop me at some point here. Um, I have an offensive metric that I use to evaluate offensive players. And it's called points gained. So the idea is that if Patrick Kinahan got ten possessions on a get, or scoring opportunities on a given night, how would you use those scoring possessions compared to a player to average players in the NBA? That makes well, sense. PK would dunk ten times, <laughs> right? And then so, but actually, so that's an interesting note. The dunkers are getting like the big men are way more important this year than they've ever ever been before because no one's going to free throw line and no one's shooting at the rim. So Rudy is actually one of the most dominating offensive players in all of the NBA right now because he's dunking five times a night or four times a night, and that's huge. Um, so here's Donovan. So point games example: Donovan Mitchell in his rookie year used twenty three. 19 scoring opportunities a night, and was negative 0.6 points below average. Okay? So if you had distributed those those 19 possessions to average players, they would have scored 0.6 points more per night than Donovan. It's a pretty good metric to look at them. But the point of this is career trajectory. Negative 0.6. Negative 1 his second year. Not uncommon. His third year, negative 0.3. Really big jump. That's the year you're supposed to make your jump, two to three. That's a big jump. Last year, subtle jump, negative 0.1. This year, positive 0.9. Massive jump. He has now become one of the very few high-usage players who's efficient. And that's special. Damn, we will leave it right there. All right. We've we got to move along. We appreciate that. And before you go, do you want to wish that that, huh? No, it's fine. Do you before you go? Do you want to wish uh, PK happy birthday? No way. Way. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Why? (laughs) Everybody gets one a year. I I got. You know what? Actually, like you're right there with me. I think like the whole birthday thing is the strangest thing in the world. Like, first of all, celebrate the mother. They're the ones who did the work a long time ago. Right? Like, what did we do? Like, oh, a bunch of people took care of me and I survived another 365 days. Woohoo! Now, most recent 365 days? Probably worth celebrating. Frankly, we should celebrate every day we get through right now. True. Thank you, David. You know what? You guys are really outstanding. And it has really come to me recently in the most recent month how much I enjoy doing this show. I think sometimes I had taken for granted how good you guys are and what an absolute pleasure it is to be a guest on this show. And I have been reminded over the last few months how much I really enjoy it. And I just want to commend you for what great, terrific work you do and what a pleasure it is to come on your show. Yeah, can you bump Kelly Papinga? we got to keep Locke for another half hour. 
Thank you, David. <laughs> See you, guys. All right, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. You will hear him tonight. The Jazz are back in action at home against the Spurs. The game tips at 7 o'clock. And the Wizards will be here tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Jazz with an eight-game win streak right now. We're going to switch and talk college football next. Former BYU Cougar Kelly Papinga made the move to Virginia with Bronco Mendenhall. Bronco suddenly retires. Now what? We'll talk with Kelly Papinga next. Stay with us. The new zone lineup is here with the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10, followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6, live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Football Fridays. Presented in part by America First. America First reminding you, there's a Raider game coming up this weekend. The Raiders and the Cleveland Browns, brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raider debit card. All of the same great features and benefits now with the silver and black. Learn more at AmericaFirst.com slash Raiders. Raiders and Browns coming up Saturday game. Time to bring in Kelly Papinga, University of Virginia co-defensive coordinator, linebacker coach, former BYU Cougar. An all-around good guy. And he joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain, state-of-the-art. Smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit SmartRain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs. Or call 877-346-3333. Kelly, good morning. What's going on, guys? It's great to hear your guys' voices, man. It's been a while. Yeah, it has man. been a while, but we have been thinking about you. So, your last month's been pretty interesting. Oh, yeah, man, it has been. It has been, obviously, you know, didn't uh, didn't see that one coming, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's part of the business. Really, when you get into college coaching, you know at some point something like this is going to happen, and, uh, you know, you can always talk about it, but you're never prepared for it, honestly. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's been uh, an interesting two weeks for sure. So can you just kind of walk us through what happens? You get called into a meeting. How does it happen? You sit down. What does Broncos say? Your reaction, eye contact you're making with other people. What someone burst out and said. How did it all play out when you're in the room? Yeah, it was actually – we were actually out on the road recruiting. And uh, we were all out on the road recruiting, so we got on a Zoom call. And uh, he just, he just, yeah, he just let us know, um, you know, just he needed a break. He needed a recharge. And, uh, and I believe him. I believe that uh, I don't think Coach Menhall is done coaching. I think he's, you know, and I, he hasn't come out and said that, but I just, based upon what he said, I think he just, he needed some time to just, I think, uh, yeah, recharge the battery a little bit, man. He's been a head coach for 17 years, and I haven't been in those shoes before, but I'm sure that uh, takes a lot out of you. And uh, yeah, I think he's uh, just needing to recharge that battery, man, and then get back to get back to work. Is my guess. I don't know that he hasn't told me that. That's just my assumption. You guys are coaching through the bowl game. They've made a hire. What is your job status beyond the bowl game? Do you know? Yeah, nothing, nothing, uh, nothing 
that's been told if I'm going to be here, if I'm not going to be here. Um, the new guy pulled us in the other day, and uh, Coach Ellie pulled us in. Seems like a great guy. Honestly, a lot of similarities between him and Coach Mendenhall. I think that's a reason why they hired this guy. He has a lot of uh, uh, high standards when it comes to not just on the field, but off the field as well. Um, really emphasizes academics and high character. and um, You can see why they've had a lot of success at Clemson um, consistently over the years. I think he's been there the last 11 years. But nothing, uh, yeah, I have nothing uh, concrete yet. Man, so I just I think you know all of us are going to go through this evaluation process. He's going to evaluate us over the next two weeks as we're in bowl practice here, and uh, we'll see where that goes. But you know how college coaching goes. You guys know. You guys have been around it enough and seen it that um, you know most most head coaches they have their own guys, they have their people, they have the people that that they trust that they're loyal to. Um, just like Bronco, like when Bronco came out here, he retained one guy on the staff that was previously here, and so my guess is it'll be something similar. Maybe keep you know, one to three guys at most. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I've been on the phones, man, trying to work it as, with as many people as I can, you know, the people that I know throughout, you know, my career and other people that I've met. And that's, uh, yeah, the networking that you have to do at this point. And so, um, yeah, we'll see where that all goes. This is probably too broad a question, but I'm curious after, uh, after a long time at BYU, you go to Virginia. What do you know about college football now that you didn't know six years ago when you went to Virginia? Just because you went to different conference, yeah. different side of the country, public school, not a private school, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, man. It's I, For me, especially beyond the East Coast, it's way more cutthroat than, uh, than I ever imagined um, from my time at BYU. So seven years at BYU, six years here, and uh, really that's what I've seen the most is the recruiting process is, I mean, it's, if you aren't in it all the time, you're like a, you're like a doctor, like an emergency room doctor, man, you're on call 24 <laughs> seven. And at any time, like a recruit calls you, you got to pick up and which is, you know, yeah, that's, that's not the greatest, uh, you know, family atmosphere environment that you want to have when you're home with your family you're like sorry hon, i gotta step away and take this call from this 16 year old you know that doesn't go over well very often but hey you know that's just that's it's part of the deal and at byu the pool was so much smaller because there's only a, you know a certain amount of kids that were really really truly interested in in, in byu and yeah, a, a lot of like, especially with a really good player, you know, you get a, a four like a, a Fred Warner, for example, that I, you know, I helped recruit to BYU, um, you know, because of his his uh, you know ties as you know the religion and all that. That was really the only reason why we were able to really have a shot at Fred. Like when you get to Virginia, there's really not that strong tie that people have unless they came here. So then you got to recruit a bigger pool, and uh, you got to offer like at BYU for one spot. I'd offer maybe three or four guys here at Virginia for one spot. I'm, I'm probably offering, you know, double that. And so you're doing double the recruiting, if not triple the recruiting at times than what we were doing previously, as far as just the number of guys that you're contacting recruiting. And so for me, that was the biggest slap in the face that I got when I came here was like, Holy crap. The time that you're putting into recruiting um, was way, way more than what we ever did at BYU. It's going to be an interesting thing going forward because you look at what you had here in Provo. You had all these guys together. A lot of them, to one extent or another, were BYU guys uh, played there. You know, and I going way back played there. And 
Atawaya and so forth, Jason Beck. I mean, I can go down the list, right? And then you all, like, as a group, almost like you go on this big field trip together on the other side of the country, and then you're there for six years. So I imagine that, you know, these guys, and Bronco talked about it when he did his press conference preceding the week of the BYU game, how everybody, I think he said 14 people, and I think he was including the spouses, to go back there, and all of you guys, I think he said, were in the same war except one person and all that stuff. So you probably are pretty tight together, uh, like foxhole type mentality. How weird is it going to be knowing that that's probably going to come to an end and you guys are most likely, if you stay in the biz, are going to scatter? Oh, yeah. So, you know, we've been together nine years now as a staff, the majority of us. And uh, you've gone, yeah, we've gone close, close together. Our, our kids are all best friends. Um, shoot, my, my kids look at some of the other, uh, coaches and their wives, like their parents, in a way, you know, it's a, it's a really close tight knit, um, deal that we've had and really unique, probably, um, not another staff in the country has that closeness that we have. Um, I think Northwestern has kind of something similar from what I've learned where they've been together with, uh, coach Fitzgerald for a long time. But uh, the uniqueness of it, us being at a place and then traveling across the country and being at another place for six years and just those bonds and that friendship that we developed, um, I don't think there's anything like it in college football. And really that's what I think helped us recruit um, some of our best players here because they saw the consistency that we had as a staff together, knew that a lot of guys weren't leaving. Um, and uh, that's what helped us land some of our best recruits that we've got here. Um, but really with all, everybody spread in other places, I actually think it helps us as far as just networking and, you know, coach 2J goes to a different staff and I go to a different staff and coach Hunter, coach Hal goes, now we all are networking. Our network now grows bigger, which, you know, that's, that's kind of like the, the, the double-edged sword that we've lived by, you know, being with coach Mendenhall is you got this great guy that you're working for, for 13 years that treats you really well. And uh, yeah, that's why we didn't want to leave because the real world of college football, it's not like that. And uh but the the I guess the negative part of that is your network isn't as big as shoot if I was maybe at another place for thirteen or you know in another situation over the past thirteen years I might have had six different jobs yeah. and my network would have been bigger but I would have been moving six different times and moving my family all over the place and so um, I I mean I I'm, I feel blessed to be with Coach Mendenhall and the staff for the past thirteen years. And, uh, yeah, you know, people might say your network's not as big, but, man, the, the experiences I've had, the relationships I've, I've built, the winning that we've done, um, I would have had no other way. And so, uh, yeah, I'm just I'm anxious for the next, uh, the next chapter of my life where it's going to take us. So there has been, I think, unprecedented gets used too easily, but I think there's been unprecedented moving in high school coaching jobs for LSU to go in and take Oklahoma, or excuse me, for LSU to go in and take Notre Dame's coach, for USC to go in and take Oklahoma's coach. Um, it's just crazy. How how much are the assistant coaches and the staffs all put together, and how much shuffling remains? Do you have a good handle on that? Yeah. So. Typically, how it works, the head coaches, it just kind of, it's kind of like a trickle down effect. So, typically, it starts with the head coaches, and that usually happens right after the season. And then, um, before sign, right before signing day, you'll get some, uh, you know, some coordinator positions filled. There's a lot of those still not filled. And then, once those coordinator positions get filled, then it goes to trickles down to the assistants. And so, 
And so there's usually, when it comes to coaching, there's a, there's a bunch of different waves. There's a wave right after the season. Then there's another wave right after signing day where a bunch of hires happen. Then there's another wave right after um, the bowl season, so the beginning of January. And then there's another wave when the NFL season ends as well because there's college coaches pulled you know, from the ranks in college up to the NFL. So there, there will be shuffling with the assistant coaches all the way through the end of January. And so, yeah, that, it's, it's, yeah, I got to have a lot of patience, man, because I see other guys getting hired at different places. And, yeah, you could get frustrated. But just knowing the process and seeing it um, over the past 13 years, yeah, it's going to go for the next two months. And so, yeah, you just got to make sure, uh, yeah, you got the right connections. You're talking to the right people. And you're hopefully in front of another guy that potentially wants the same job. <laughs> and you're talking to the head coach before he's talking to him. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's a it's a trickling down effect, I guess, to ask your question. So, you know, start with the head coaches, then to the, the coordinators, and then to the assistants. Are you prepared then, if it has to be, to go anywhere in the country? Oh, yeah. My wife and I already talked about it. We put, we put 13 years of our lives into this, and, uh, yeah, we're – we're anxious to go to go anywhere, honestly. And so, yeah, you got the the Ruston, Louisiana, yeah. the Troy, Alabama's, or you know, it, you know, you got all these little small college towns. And yeah, I'm I'm willing to go experience that. And uh, yeah, probably know. You know, I, I look at Coach Benhall's career, and I mean, he was in Ruston, Louisiana for a little bit. He was in uh, Northern Arizona for a little bit. Then yep. he landed in New Mexico and ended up BYU. So yeah, there's different paths for everybody. And I'm probably going to have to take a step back to take a step forward. Kelly Papinga joining us, former uh, former Cougar player, former Cougar coach, now Virginia coach, now getting ready to watch everything shuffle. Hey, can you give us an idea how much uh, the transfer portal and and uh, name, image, and likeness have changed your job? <laughs> that is the question that everybody asks. So I would say um, how I see it, starting with uh, just the transfer portal, we we were really lucky until this year, until Coach Menhall made his announcement um, that he was uh, going to resign. We had not had many guys leave our program, and I think it just goes back to um, I think we treat our guys well, um, and I think they see that we really care about them, and we uh, yeah we we've, we've stayed together as a staff, so they knew that what they signed up for they were going to get, and uh, just the consistency consistency of that I think helped us retain um, a lot of our players. So we. When this transfer portal thing started two years ago, I think we were second or third in the country with the lowest amount of transfers. But we did capitalize on a lot of guys transferring in. So we had a really big tight end that came in this year. You guys probably saw him, uh, number zero, yeah. that played. Um, he, he's a freak. He became he was an all-ACC first-team player for us. Um, was at Oklahoma State, came to us. So um, him and then our number 99, Keaton Thompson, same thing. He guy came from Mississippi State, highly recruited kid, came here and really helped us out. So I think we capitalized on guys coming in here. And, uh, you know, that part can really help you as far as filling a hole that you might have missed through an injury or maybe you missed in recruiting. Um, so I really like it in that part. The part that I don't like is kids are just so easy to leave after something where, you know, they sign up for something and they see that it may be not – is exactly what they thought it was during recruiting and they're here for a semester or one year. They don't even give it a chance and they, you know, (laughs) take off and they go to the next spot. And what a lot of these kids don't realize is there's over a thousand kids in the transfer portal right now. And I mean, there's no way that those guys are all going to go play power five football. No way. 
so a lot of those kids, they get stuck in the portal, thinking that, yeah, the grass is greener on the other side and end up leaving a Power 5 school, and they end up at an FCS school because there's no other options. So the, some of these kids, I think, rush into the decision, and uh, it ends up, yeah, hurting them, where they not, they're not getting what they thought they were going to get when they went. And so I, I don't like it, to be honest with you. I think it's hurting the game um, in a lot of ways, um, especially the kids. I think it's hurting the kids as far as just not helping them, you know, really – you know, go through the process of like everybody else had to do in the past of just, yeah, you, you signed up for a place, give that place a chance. Yeah, you're not going to come in and play immediately all the time. You're going to have to go through some, uh, you know, some growing pains. And I think kids these days are so easy to, you know, kind of run away from some adversity. Um, and so for that reason, I don't like it. But um, the NLI thing, yeah, I think I think there's some positives from that. I think there's some negatives, but. As far as the positives, I think I think there are opportunities that these kids should have to make money off of their, you know, their name, their image, and their likeness. I think that's fair. Um, but I think there's a certain extent that goes to and to what to what that is. I don't know yet, and I think the NCAA doesn't know. I don't think anybody knows really. Um, shoot, you guys probably saw the number one player in the country just signed with uh, yeah. you know Jackson State over a, a huge NLI deal. So, um, yeah. So I mean, I I don't. I don't think we've really seen all the ramifications of the NIL yet, um, but I do think for the players there are some positives from it. And, uh, yeah, I'm just kind of waiting to see how it all plays out, you know, until rules are actually put into place of what can actually happen and can't happen. But um, I do like how it helps the players um, capitalize on themselves, which in the past, um, you know, I think that's been one of the negatives of the NCAA where they're, you know, selling a jersey or whatever – and the kid can't make any money off of that when they're using the kid to make money. So I, I think there's some positives from it. I know you've been buried with your own stuff, but I'm wondering if you've been able to follow. It's kind of funny, the expression for you as a Wyoming kid out west. This is where your uh, your roots are. But have you been able yeah. to follow Utah to the Rose Bowl and BYU to the Big 12? I have, man. I have. I You know, I try to watch those guys because I, you know, obviously, you know, playing for BYU, coaching for BYU. That's always, uh, you know, something I want to stay close to. And then you just with Utah, just the respect I have for those guys. Um, I've watched them over the years after being out here. And, yeah, happy for all of them, honestly. I was uh, watching the the Pac-12 championship game. I was impressed with Utah. And the thing that I really, you know, admire, Coach Whittingham and Coach Scally and those guys, they just they've stuck to their guns, man. <laughs> They're doing pretty much the same exact stuff they've done for the past 15, you know, forever yep and uh they've just they've stuck to what they do best and uh it's really helped them you know obviously i'm sure utah fans get picked off at times where the offense doesn't do this or do that but you know i think they got a quarterback now that i think is a you know pretty dynamic player and again like uh he's not the game manager that they've been used to in the past i think this guy can make plays with his arm and with his leg and i was impressed with him in the pac-12 championship game and i thought they just whooped oregon's butt i mean it was it was a complete butt whooping and i guess they did it a couple weeks before that i didn't have a chance to watch that game but um yeah i I think it's pretty ironic though that the year that uh utah ends up going to the rose bowl the year the byu ends up beating them and ending the streak so i thought that was funny how that all played out like that but uh so did we but happy for those guys (laughs) But, you know, I just like happy for both teams, even Utah State, to be able to see what they've done this year. Pretty impressive, you know, those three schools and everything that they've been able to do. How big is the jump for BYU going into the Big 12? What, how would you advise Cougar fans and Cougars to think about this, plan for it, and set their expectations? 
Yeah, so there's going to be a transition, obviously. If you just go back to what happened with Utah when they went into the Pac-12, I think there was two losing seasons there that they had um, to try to get caught up to the talent and the recruiting of you know, the Pac-12. I don't think it will be as big for BYU. And the reason why is because they've had this little transition with independence where I think that's that will help them um, as far as being able – they've had to – I think our recruiting changed from going from the Mountain West to the to independence. I think it helped us get some um, better players at times. And I think they'll have the same opportunity, you know, going into the Big 12. I think they're recruiting. They'll take a jump in recruiting just because now they'll be in a, you know, a Power 5 conference. But there will be a transition phase there. And who knows how long that will take. Maybe it'll be a half a season, a full season, two seasons. But I think if you just look at even TCU went through it there for a little bit. Um, so I think, yeah, I think if they're expecting them to just get into the Big 12 – and all of a sudden go, you know, put, compete for a Big 12 championship. It might happen, but the chances that it do, I think, you know, or that it does, I think is, um, you know, it's not as likely as this, them taking a step backward. I think just the transition of that will be, you know, maybe a 6-6 six and six season or a 7-5 season. And then, yeah, I think they're going to have a great – I think it's a great fit for them. I'm excited for them. I know that was something that we've wanted for a really long time, even back to when I coached there. And uh, I think just even with Oklahoma and Texas leaving, I still think it's a great conference for them to be in. And, uh, yeah, I'm extremely excited for them and excited about uh, what they're going to do. It's just, it's just after being out here and playing in the ACC and coaching in the ACC, it's just so much better playing and having a chance to play for a conference championship. And so, for example, this season we go to where uh, we play Pitt, the second to last game of the season. And that game was basically who won that game was – going to play for the ACC championship and so that came all the way down to the second to last game of the year and so you look at BYU being independent they haven't had that opportunity where they're playing these these really relevant games at the end of the season now this year was a little bit different because of the record but um but I just think man to be able to compete for a conference championship that's going to be game changer for that program and that's something that they've done extremely well you know going back to the 70s 80s 90s 2000s They've won a ton of conference championships, and I think being able to get back to doing that um, is going to bring another fire um, to that program. And, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens for them. I got to say, Kelly, before we let you go, it was still weird for me to see Bronco Mendenhall with facial hair. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you saw all of our staff, man, but as as the six years passed, man, there was some long hair, there's some facial hair, there's some – you know, major honor code violations going over here, but uh, you know, it was all, it was all good, man. We enjoyed it, and I mean, just uh, the experience I've had here has been something that's uh, changed my life, and yeah, just look forward to the next opportunity that comes my way. Well, if anyone says, "Can you come to the small college town?" you can say, "Only if you come visit me in Evanston, and then I'll explain you some stuff." Exactly, exactly. That's been my uh, that's been my th- thing to him, saying, hey, man, I grew up in a town of 12,000 people. I can I can make it anywhere, man, so I'm not worried about that at all. And enjoyed two weeks of summer. <laughs> <laughs> Both those weeks yeah. were great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kelly. Good luck with the job search, and we'll stay in touch. All right, guys. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. Kelly Papenga, University of Virginia co-defensive coordinator and linebacker coach. And with Bronco dropping the news on a Zoom call, now guys, looking for an opening on a college football coaching staff. 
Yeah, I knew they would have been on the road because that was right during recruiting time. And and Kelly Paping is one of the most dynamic guys I've ever been around. I've known him for a long time. I really, really root hard for him. And somebody's going to get a great coach and a great recruiter because he's a great dude. DJ and PK, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. This is Unrivaled. Guys are doing a hell of a job. We have with us Evan Dudley, the UAB beat writer. Anything you feel about the game? Who's going to win it? First thought, I'd probably have to go with BYU. Obviously, they had a great season. Uh, you know, better Pac-12 record than half the Pac-12. They beat the <laughs> Pac-12 champion, you know, head-to-head. But I think BYU uh probably the better talented, better team. But UAB is also a team that gets the most out of its players. They're going to play physically, and they're going to try to give themselves a chance there in the second half against a really good team. It's unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. This doesn't sound like Tom Petty. Yeah, it is. It's early, Tom Petty. It's early. I am currently <laughs> hunting for that song. Before have. the Marlboros tanked his voice. <laughs> That's it. Christmas is a rocking time. I, I don't know so if that's I found it right before we were coming back. In the commercial break, PK requested a Christmas song. And so it's like, what, Perry Como? Or? This is Perry Como. Oh, is it? I yeah. nailed it. Nice, ah. nice job. Your parents <laughs> listen to Perry Como? I just plucked it out of the sky. <laughs> like I did that time, uh, who was it, your grandma's name or somebody? I did it a few weeks ago. Mm. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Yeah. I just guessed. You know my all-time guess, best guess? I know you got to read something, but you can read it after this because this, this is worth saying, and we only got a minute anyway, is that uh, we are in our second house here since we live in Utah. We've owned two houses, right? And the first one, we lived there for four years, and then we only moved a mile south. So we wanted to stay in the same area. So we're with the realtor, and we're, lo- we're look at, looking at a house, and the answer machine goes on. Mom, Dad... This is Bill, and it's it's clear it's their son. Mm-hmm. So he's going on and on, and I said to both my wife and the realtor, I said, you watch, he's going to ask for money. <laughs> <laughs> sure enough, in the course of the phone message, he said he needs some money. <laughs> and they both looked at me, how'd you know that? <laughs> and I could just tell that. He, so that was one of my best calls ever. <laughs> It's the fifth annual Black Friday sale. It's been extended through December at Davis Vision. Tired of glasses or contacts? Get LASIK now and save $1,400. There are limited spots available, so act now. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Hey, Kelly Papinga, get you thinking? All sorts of things there, yeah. Kelly Papinga just joined us in the previous segment. Former Utah State player. Went on a mission, came back, played at BYU three years, assistant coach at BYU, then at Virginia, 13 years with Bronco, has all kinds of observations. Bronco's resignation at Virginia is good news for BYU on multiple levels. And we will explain that next. Stay with us. Guys, Mika Couture wants to help you out this holiday season with a perfect gift. Stop at any location from Ogden to St. George today. Mention Zone 50 and save 50%. Guys, it's a no-brainer. Get in today, save 50%, and get the best gift ever from Minky Couture. Again. Mm, Stay away from me. Oh, Bowl season's here. BYU and Utah State are going for 11 wins. How can you not be fired up? 
Rick says, I'm pretty stoked about BYU going to the Big 12. The doors are open for great things ahead. And you fans, good luck at the Rose Bowl. Rick taking the high road. Actually, the Ute team, good luck at the Rose Bowl, because I don't think the fans are <laughs> going to have a say. They can cheer. I wonder if cheer. that's good luck at the Rose Bowl or <laughs> good luck at the Rose Bowl. <laughs> that's a monumental task, and we'll break that down in the next uh, week or so for sure. This Ohio is, State, the highest scoring team in college football this year. They're just freaking loaded. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the quarterback like five all uh, AP first team all Americans. Quarter, five quarterback looks really good. Best receiver looks really good. Second all best three receiver their, looks all really three of the receivers. Third best have. receiver looks really good. <laughs> I had a buddy who he's an unabashed BYU fan, and he, DJ, what you talked about, like, good luck. It, like it was he was the sneering. Yeah. Good luck against Ohio yeah, State. But that's what you want, man. You want this opportunity. Go ahead and show them. At that point, I'm telling you, man, if they win this thing. I'm I'm carrying Kyle Whittingham off the field. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get a forklift, but I'm going to do it. (laughs) That'd be awesome. What's coming in through the tunnel in the south end zone? (laughs) And PK's got on a PK's got on a hard hat and he's driving a forklift. Raise him up like what was it? Shania Twain in the Super Bowl? Yeah, just have him way up there and and just stand there like the freaking Pope, man. Just hands up in the air. He had two wires on his Under Armour shirt. (laughs) Just stand there, and everybody just cheer for like a half hour straight Mm -hmm. as he just stands there. Because if he pulls this one off, oh my gosh. And I don't know that I'll go into a game rooting for Utah more than I will this one, that's for sure. I would love to see it. But for the Cougars, you know, they've got their game tomorrow at 1.30, and this is a big-time opportunity to continue the momentum, to keep going. And because Papinga, we just had Kelly Papinga on, you know, he's been out on that trail recruiting at a P5 level for six years. And it's very, very competitive where they are. And so he's saying, hey, expect the six and six, uh, seven and five season. And I've been saying that too. And I think it's going to be uh, to what degree of difficult? I don't think it's going to be easy. I will be confident in saying that. I can't tell you degree of difficulty just yet. I need some more time with the recruiting classes plus with with these guys who's coming back from missions. I can't keep track of all that. You and know. you got the transfer portal on top and of And then you're going to go in and that's going to open up at a ball game. And I think BYU really needs to take advantage of that. I don't think you can build a foundation off of that. I think that's dangerous. But I think they can really spot, we need a running back this year. We need a linebacker, whatever position. Let's go get somebody who at 18 would have never even considered BYU under any stretch, but at 21-22 and knows uh, the rules are short time to go ahead and, yeah, I can do that because I'm not going to be there that long and the benefits that I could receive are going to outweigh any particular what might be considered odd uh, rules for some. And Uh, not only fill in the obvious hole, not only bringing in – a high-level talent that you could, and you have to do those things. Get a high-level talent that you didn't have a shot at when they were 18. Fill what's an obvious hole in the roster, but you're going to need depth in the Big 12. And you got a taste of it this year. That's where you can argue, well, they have started to make the transition. It makes sense to everybody. Everybody knows, man, there were a ton of players who went down between the season opener and that 12th game in the Coliseum against USC. And they had to go down the depth chart at multiple possessions. McChesney had to score the game-winning touchdown. Uh, I don't even know, was he third string or fourth string? He was third, third string. He third? Yeah. They relied heavily on Algier. And, they, and, and, and that's, that's with seven 
P5 games, well, now you're going to have 9, 10, if you're in a conference title game, an 11th one. I mean, it just, it just keeps piling up. So sometimes it'll be adding you know, key depth. I mean, the Utes got that at running back. They got their, they got their ace, Thomas, but they got depth through the portal, too, and they needed it. Oh, you need everything you can get there. And to go what we were saying, I think Bronco leaving University of Virginia is great news for BYU because these guys have been together and they have a limited networking, as Kelly said, because they were here in Provo and then the majority of them uh, went east all the way to Virginia and they stayed together. It's unusual to be together that long. Uh, two different places, so they're going to have to scatter now because obviously six guys ain't going to go to some other staff uh, and coach. And so for BYU's sake, the more LDS guys you can get out there learning, coaching, developing, the better it's going to be uh, because you may need to call upon one of those guys. I mean, if they had a linebacker position opening, I don't know that – in fact, I know – that Kalani has very limited relationship with Papinga. That's from both guys have told me that, so I know that. Their paths didn't cross at BYU, obviously. But bringing that kid in, or he's not a kid anymore, bringing that guy in to coach, you know, he's been a co-defensive coordinator, so he's developed as a coach. He's as dynamic as they come. He's as personable as there is a guy out there. And it's real, too. It's not phony. You know, when he says, hey, it's good to talk to you, because it's good to talk to you, you know what I mean? He's not BS and he's not bluff and he's not salesman. And so get a kid, a guy like him on your staff could help. But in, I don't know, I don't know that's going to happen. But he's going to go someplace else. I'm, I got to believe he's going to get a job. I got to believe Jason Beck, two J's, been successful. He's a dynamic guy too, unless he's changed dramatically, which I guess he hasn't. And then you got Robert and I. I think somebody's got to take Robert and I somewhere. I mean, this guy is proficient. And so experienced. He's got to be what, 62, 63, somewhere in there? I mean, I would think so, yeah. Yeah. And he's, been, right. he's been doing this for a long, long time and has had a level of success that, to me, merits him getting another job. So all those types of things are beneficial to BYU. I always have to laugh, though, that. <laughs> Whenever anybody, I know where you're going. Whenever anybody leaves BYU, they it's immediately like free. Mm, do I want to grow a mustache, a goatee, or a beard? Yeah, and even some chest hairs. <laughs> well, they got their rules down there. What do I know? Down there, chest hair is okay. Down there. How far down there? Okay, here we go. It's 9 o'clock. We have made it. It's on a Friday. Hey, today's my birthday. Hey, happy birthday to you, sir. Happy K's birthday. What do you get a guy who has everything? Tweet at us right now. What should DK get for birthday? Not a cocktail dress from Kmart. I don't need nothing. I never had a chance, man. So I was born on this day 42 years ago. Huh? <laughs> Come again? They didn't bring me home until Christmas Eve because I had a lung issue. I was a month premature. I had a lung issue that it's, it hasn't plagued me till today. But it's been an issue uh, all these years. But it's obviously an extremely livable issue, and I'm very fortunate. I've had mostly great health all my life. Um, but they bring me home Christmas Eve place me under the tree I had no chance I had no chance to survive and live up to that expectation to place a kid under the tree there might as well have been on a manger 
I had no chance to fulfill what they built me up as because I'm the youngest by many years, and they had had a my mother had had one and 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 they passed and it was a boy and it was difficult and they couldn't have kids many more, and so you know certainly in the Italian. Uh, I was going to say the Italian religion, but that's not really the accurate, although it sort of is. You know, boys really matter if you watch The Godfather. It was a son! It was a boy! It was a son, Michael! You know what I mean? I <laughs> remember the line, yes. <laughs> and so that meant a little something more. It shouldn't, but nevertheless, and maybe it's changed. So here I come, and I'm supposed to be this big, uh, shining North Star of the family. Boy, I, I had no chance to live up to all that. And, and I can honestly say I didn't, uh, for that matter. Uh, but, you know, I can have a little fun on today. But, yeah, BYU... It, it just amazes me, man. These guys get out of there, and the first thing they want to do is break the honor code, which isn't an honor code if you go down to the local church building. <laughs> it's like, I've never been able to reconcile that in my mind. Uh, uh, Nor have thousands <laughs> of others, PK. I read it was political. It's before my time, but there was a time, Vietnam War, the facial hair, you were anti-war, you were anti-government. Good yeah. God, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it, say it, say it, say it! <laughs> War! <laughs> what is it good for? I know, but so what? I mean, and then you put the rules in place, <laughs> and now you're, well, essentially you're married to them for well, all the time. No, you don't have to be. That's wrong on that, and I get the pun. I appreciate that, but nevertheless. Yuck didn't. He curled up his nose. Well, he gets offended by these things. We have fun with them. Are you offended, yeah? Uh, he's got. Yeah, he rolled his eyes. He's, he's got the he's, he's Megan horrified. in there. He's talking, talking to Megan. I'm not offended by it. Why would I be offended by it? Because the look on your face. It, 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 I get. Don't do this. Stay off the bottle. Hey, you know, let's uh, limit the physical activity. I understand all that. Those are your rules. No problem. I don't know that you have to. Like people out if they... But growing a mustache over the summer just doesn't seem at the same level as all that other stuff. No, not when you can go down the local building, which is like in Provo, it's like 30 yards away. You know, they got them all over the place. Once you cross that street. <laughs> what is it, like Field of Dreams? Yeah. <laughs> you go over the line, you, you, you can't come back. Doc, sorry, buddy. You're now an old man. Uh, so I think they could loosen that up and still maintain the uh, integrity of the institution very much so, because it's funny. If a guy like Bronco Mendenhall, nobody preached more publicly in the history of BYU sports than Bronco Mendenhall. And I know he took a lot of abuse for it, but that's what he was told to do. So he's, he was keeping his employment. And they told him to do that, so he did do that. But if he goes to Virginia and grows a beard... And he's, from my all accounts, I mean, I'm not in his house, but by all accounts, he seems to be as faithful as they come, right? He's got, uh, I think he said next month. He's got two sons on missions right now. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what more, if you're sending your kid out to do all that stuff, I mean, you you know, you pass the test as far as I'm concerned, although my threshold for test is very low, uh, you know, as long as you're trying to do the right thing, I'm I'm happy with it. Uh, But if he can do it, why can't Pope just come out, man? 
Man, this has been so tough. I lost my two big guys. I ain't shaving because I don't feel like it. <laughs> I'm not shaving until <laughs> I get a big guy back. <laughs> yeah, man, what a blow to his team. Look, look yeah. pretty promising. And then it doesn't look nearly as promising now. As you would say, whap. He's whap. gone with uh, two big guys. Yeah. Or, or once you said Wang, I don't know why you said Wang, but nevertheless, I was going to stick with Wang. <laughs> kind of hoping you're going to just let that slide. <laughs> as you dropped, I mean, whap. Dang. <laughs> Wait a minute. Mark. And Wang. Wang. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he wins awards for that, Yuck. <laughs> Probably not. And the finalist yet again. <laughs> it's going to be the David James Snickledorf III Memorial Award winner, whatever it is. Every freaking award. Let's just create. Well, what other awards can we give DJ on this Friday, the last Friday before Christmas Eve? The last Friday that we'll be on broadcasting uh, before Christmas because we'll be off next Friday. They're giving us the day off. Thank you for that. So, what? I mean, we need to create some more awards, you know. And you've won City Weekly. You're going to win. The, you've already won this, what, two or three times already. So, what the hell? What's a couple of more? You're like uh, uh, Coach Care down at uh, Corner Canyon when they give him a trophy for having the game of the week, man. Okay, guys. There's <laughs> another trophy we got. Getting a little heavy on the paperweights. <laughs> All these awards you Nothing win. And we'll ever blow off his desk. You are fabulous. Just ask me. You've already sports nerd of the decade, if not the century. Don't have that trophy. I'm going to be a pro basketball player. <laughs> <laughs> I got to come up with another. I got to go into the archives and get another trophy. I had the trophy, and it was in here for a while, and then they put it out on the counter outside in the lounge, but somebody cleaned it up. So There went the wreck trophy. Well, I'm going to have to get another one. Clearly. I... I can give you my Daily Breeze uh, uh, D-League City Championship trophy. That's a prize possession. <laughs> you should hold on to that. I can give you, I have uh, the, they gave me How a How good were the A, B, and C leagues if you guys were winning D-leagues? Oh, yeah. We moved up. And it was like uh, moving up ugly. to the MLB. <laughs> it got ugly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, those, those... Uh, Maybe it was C League and we moved up to B or something. I can't remember. Uh, but the only reason why we won after years of fertility is that we got an A League guy that was a ringer. He didn't even work at the paper. <laughs> Everybody else did. Got to make a free agent acquisition <laughs> yeah. every once in a while. Yeah. He came in, He came into our ball club and he made a big difference. And we beat our rivals too. That was what was so sweet. Rivals in which we once had a brawl. In a softball game. That's awesome. That's awesome. Because we had a dude on our team, and he was from Connecticut, and he was such a big mouth, man. He couldn't keep his mouth shut. A big mouth from the tri-state area. Yeah, yeah, Go figure, right? He ended up going back and working at the Hartford Current uh, for many years. But, yeah, he was always enticing and inflaming emotions. And so one time they just, next thing you know, they went at it. And we had to empty the benches. <laughs> Softball. Oh, my gosh. And we had one guy on my te- on our team who was big. He was like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, 230 pounds. I just stood behind him the whole time. My hand was on the small of his back. <laughs> you don't want to sit in the, ben- on the, in the little uh, dugout at Wilson Park there in Torrance. You want to go out. But I don't want to get in any fights here, so I just stood behind him. But, 
Yeah. So I got that trophy. They let they let us they chose between a, a t shirt and a trophy. I figured, oh man, the t shirt I'll just turn into a rag, but the trophy I'll have forever. <laughs> I can give you my sports columnist of the year. I have that little it's not a trophy, but it is sort of like a thing. A plaque. It's it's nicer than a plaque. Hmm. It's not just a plaque. But they gave me that on that uh cold morning over at Simmons at Trolley Square when I was reading the obituaries and saw it. That's where they had the the awards and saw my name in the paper. You'll never forget that. I will never forget that. <laughs> I went berserk. You're a junkyard dog. You don't win awards. Immediately started getting texts from your wife. Don't let up. Give it to him, DJ. I've had to listen to that for a long time. Uh, well, I didn't enter myself, so I didn't know about it. I didn't even know that I was entered because I never entered anything. If I were it you, does, but it doesn't matter. I didn't enter this. I mean, this yeah, but stuff. I know. But you're going to accept it. Well, you accepted that. That's why you've got it. I didn't accept it. it. They you're... gave it to me. I didn't enter. You didn't throw it away. You still have but it. But I you knew. It. I knew. I've have to find it. I knew of no opportunity to enter. You accept. You posed on the city weekly in a freaking refs uniform. Yeah. You looked ridiculous. Yeah, man, I look ridiculous anyway, so it's kind of Yeah, a but watch. you did it. And Channel 2, you go on their website, and they pump it up, you and Mary, as if it's something legitimate. Yeah, I didn't do Talk that. about the jazz. I'm sick of you. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Talk about the jazz. I'm sick of you. I agree with me. <laughs> Sports nerd of the decade. How about... And the work you do with the charities is just off the charts, man. If I didn't know any better, I would think you were a huntsman. DJ and PK, it's 975. <laughs> and you have flown on the Huntsman's plane, have you not? I did, yes. Have I? Not that I know of. Does Britton Covey know who I am? Yes. No. No, he doesn't. He said, thank you, David. There's two of us standing right there. Thank you, David. Hey, BC, what about me? Nothing. Zero. Get out of my face. Thank you, David. Well, you get free golf from the coach, so what do you care? Free golf from the coach. <laughs> I don't get that. You win. When we come back, everything you missed in this show, David Locke was on talking jazz, Danny Ainge and the transition and Ainge's track record and history. He went over that. We'll catch you up to date on that. More on the Bulls, the NFL, big games this weekend. Teams collapsing, teams charging. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. It's official. The youths are the 2021 Pac-12 champs and are heading to the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. What better way for the youths to make their inaugural trip to the Rose Bowl than a battle against Ohio State? Keep it locked on the Zone Sports Network as we get you ready for the youths' historic trip to Pasadena. Your home for the best coverage of the youths in the Rose Bowl is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Mahomes takes the snap at his right thigh, dumps it over the middle, caught by Kelsey at the 30, spins back up ahead, Kelsey at the 15-yard line, Kelsey at the 10-5, touchdown, Kansas City in the biggest AFC West game in five years. The Chiefs put the hammer down with a 34-yard touchdown pass. Mahomes to Kelsey, and the Chiefs take commanding two-game lead in the AFC West with a gutsy, gutsy, gutsy win in overtime. That's a triple gutsy right there. Time to get you caught up to date on everything we've been talking about in this show. That was certainly a competitive, entertaining Thursday night football game. 
It's not a perfect football game. By there were mistakes all over the place, but that just added to the entertainment value. Time to get you up to date. Everything you missed brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard furnaces and air conditioners. Call or visit leesheatac.com now to schedule a free in-home estimate or free second opinion. Chargers had a chip shot field goal on the opening drive. Didn't take it. Went for it on fourth down. Didn't get it. Went for it on fourth down later. Didn't get it. Fumbled away in the five, inside the five-yard line. Passed on a 46-yard field goal. And went for it on fourth down and didn't get it. They were two for five on fourth downs. Left at least nine points out there. Most likely. Yeah. And, and then the 46 losing I can live with. Although they, uh, the, the Chiefs, man, that ball slipped out of uh, Mahomes' hand. He like, yeah. threw a one-hopper, like a five-yard out. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah, weird. there were times he did not look like an all-world quarterback. <laughs> But then with a the game on the line, their last three possessions, they all no good field position. They all started on their own 25, three drives in a row, 75 yards, and a touchdown, and the 20, because of two-point conversion, the 22 points they had to have to win the game. Oh, I guess 21, they didn't kick it in OT. Yeah, the two-point conversion was cool, too. You know, run around. He missed and, an open guy, then he missed another open guy, and finally hit the third open guy. Run around and cause confusion, you know. It's yeah. sort of like Beck to Harleen. Uh, run around and... Eventually, somebody will lose somebody. Have you ever seen that uh, when ESPN, there's some big event on somewhere else, they'll put on some really inexpensive programming? They have this world chase tag thing. These guys are on a stage, and there are these obstacles, and these guys are super elusive, running around. Patrick Mahomes would dominate that. The way he was stepping up in the pocket, just dropping his shoulders so someone didn't grab his jersey, staying on balance, and then whipping throws 20 yards downfield. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I thought on that first possession, uh, Herbert threw a touchdown pass. He just threw it too hard. It's too close, man. He zinged it in there. Yeah. Are the uh, are the Chargers a poor man's Dallas Cowboy? Talented, win more than they lose, and the Cowboys have a better record. They also play in a worse division, so they got an easier schedule. And they're good, and they're going to be a playoff team. But do you really trust them? Now, yeah, maybe it's not a fair comparison. Younger quarterback, a, first year coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe today. Yeah. But I've got to give him some time. Maybe I the Chargers a have a years. higher ceiling down the road, whereas the Cowboys are more who they are. I think that's that's. But I accurate. just I think with both of them, I think you're good, but I don't trust you to beat the biggest teams. And you're right. In two or three years, so many things change in the pros. Soon enough, but I just don't. Well, I want to see. Herbert develop because I think sky's limit that type of thing for him to go cliche because he looks like uh, he's awesome and he wasn't one of these guys too that wasn't born and bred to play quarterback from the time he was 10 years old and receiving all these lessons and all this stuff haven't spoken to him when we had him on Pac-12 Media Day he was talking about baseball he's from Eugene so not that he stumbled into football but in a sense he stumbled into what he was doing. You know, he was a backup quarterback on that four and eight team that came. He threw the pass that beat the Utes. Uh, Carrington got his foot down by about a toe width from being out of bounds, and then he just got better and better and better. So to me, he hasn't even barely scratched the surface, and he still is pretty good. So when he gets to be about twenty five, as long as they use their cap money wisely and add some talent around him, I think they're huh, going to be a got force. Talent around him. Well, I said add. Yeah, yeah. I didn't say they... Hey, they got a really good running back. They got a couple of really good receivers. That's that's a talented team. Now, they're 8-6. They're not going to win the division because they're now two games behind the Chiefs. The Chiefs, seven in a row. The Patriots, seven in a row. We're looking at Chiefs-Patriots AFC title game. 
You ready? I'm not ready to say that yet. Uh, uh, give me the playoff brackets before I make that yeah. assumption. I mean, Kansas City has the background, clearly. Uh, Belichick it, has the background. And well, some of his players have the background, but what does Mac Jones have? Nothing. Nothing. Right. The Chiefs trying to make the AFC title game. I think this will be four years in a row for them. The uh, football tomorrow, teams that are chasing the Chargers for a wild card berth. The Browns are 7-6, and six, but they got a lot of guys in protocol, including two quarterbacks now. And they're going to Green Bay to play the Packers, so it doesn't look like they'll get to 8-6 and six and match the Chargers. Probably yeah. lose that and go to 7-7. Seven and seven. The Colts play tomorrow against the uh, – excuse me, that's still a week away. I'm off. My bad. I'm yeah, saying, I'm I don't like, want to uh, think that. The Raiders play the Browns yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, I didn't have the Browns playing the Packers. No, no. that's next week. That's, that's next, next week. week. It's Browns Raiders. It's Browns Raiders this week. If it doesn't, get and then moved. it's Patriots Colts. Yes, that's the Saturday doubleheader. So if the Patriots have won seven in a row. Can they get the win here? Are the Colts going to drop? The Colts and Browns at seven and six both seem like they have a decent chance to end up at seven and seven, and still be a game behind the Chargers. I think the Chargers are getting in as a wild card. I think they'll be there. Their schedule's lightening up down the stretch. Uh, Other games, the Bills and the Panthers are coming up Sunday morning on Fox. The uh, Bills are another team in the AFC, stuck there at 7-6. They'll win. Packers and Ravens this week. Green Bay going to Baltimore. Baltimore is uh, fading. They got off to a great start, but it has not been going well. What's Jackson's status? Are we they, see Huntley? they are three and four in the last seven, and I think Lamar Jackson is going to try to go, but I don't have any faith that he'll actually be able to. Well, he he's talking like he'll go, but he's got to have his wheels, man. Yeah, I mean he hurt this. He got it hurt this weekend, but he hurt it before that. He aggravated, and he tried to go and aggravate it. Right? Yeah, I know. So, and it actually didn't look like it was that unusual of a tackle. It didn't. To which is why being carted off. Is he really gonna go? And if he goes, how long will he be in the game? Although I can, th- I can, th- I think they can win with Huntley. Against the Packers, they'll win games with Huntley. I'm not I sure they'll they- win this game with Huntley. It's not a shocker, but the Packers. You're also not picking it. No, no, no. I said they can win games. I didn't say yeah. this game. I said they can win games. Oh, I believe they with, can win. They can win games with him. Uh, and you know, the Packers might be the best team in the NFL. Which I would love to see that, and then have more diva drama. <laughs> <laughs> the more he wins, the harder he's going to make it to resign him. Although he'd be crazy to leave. But he doesn't seem like he seems like he's bored, and oh, your your hero heard said that as I was driving home the other day. Aaron Rodgers is bored. I meant to text you on it, but I was driving, so I don't do that. Good. Uh, I'll do it at a stoplight. Uh, and uh, but he said that, and I thought yeah, I had just said that. He's just playing up all this drama because he's got nothing else to do, and he can. Bucks and Saints Sunday night game. Bucks are ten and three. Oh well, what's what's Taysom? What's his record? It's not about the Saints anymore. It's about the quarterback. What's Taysom's record? One and one. No, no, all time, man. Four and two. Is he going to be a twenty game winner? Not this year. We rarely have twenty game winners. <laughs> He's probably going to be four and three by Monday. <laughs> I would assume that goes. Run, Taysom, run. <laughs> yeah, right. He is a marvel to watch run. And now he's got the, what, the tip of the middle finger thing that 
hurts him. He's not a great passer to begin with. But that can't possibly help. He is just an awesome runner. We talked a little NFL. We talked some college football. BYU and Utah State going for 11 wins. Cap in the season. Open with a Pac-12 win. Close with a Pac-12 win for Utah State. They got Washington State in the opener. Can they get Oregon State in the bowl game? Well, and for, yeah, I think they can. For uh, the Cougars, open with a team named, uh, have A in their name. Close with a team that has A in their name. That's a big old stretch right there from <laughs> Arizona to UAB. Coast to coast almost. Yeah, almost, not quite. <laughs> I've been to Arizona and I've been to Birmingham. What did you do in Birmingham? I've never been to Alabama. That's one of the states I haven't got to. I saw Jay Drew went to Arkansas, so... He's got 49 down, one to go and now. And he didn't know you're flying to Memphis. It's two minutes away. I've made that trek many times. That's how you got to Jonesboro. You fly into Memphis, you go across the bridge, boom, you are in Arkansas. Nothing to do there, but you're in there. <laughs> check, check off another state. How many states have you been to? Oh, I don't know. I'd have to uh, just go for work. I've been to so many of them. It's more, it's more of the states that would be a much easier thing to say the states that I haven't right. been to. And the same thing. I've been to a lot of states, NCAA basketball tournaments, college basketball games when but I was doing UCSB games, knocked out a lot of states. I live in the state of confusion, that's for sure. Been to the Dakotas? Those are the two closest states that I haven't been to. I've been to the Dakota apartment building. Oh. Well, that's sad and tragic. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> So John Lennon was shot and lived. Yeah, and then they move you along there, so they because constant flow of people. And then right across the street, Central Park, where they have the insignia in the in the in the sidewalk monument for for John. And so they move you along. Well, I wasn't in a hurry to move along, so I said to the guy, "Hey, man, what's what's going on? It's crowded here today." I said, "Yeah, you drive over the bridge to get here." Yeah, Jersey guy all the way. I said, "Me too." Boom, he didn't make me move. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a shot. <laughs> Especially when I told him I live way out in Utah now. Uh, but I don't know. I haven't. I have not been to the Dakotas uh, as far as that goes. But in Birmingham, I was there uh, because the Utes played uh, Alabama in basketball. So you fly into Birmingham. Yep. And then you drive down to Tuscaloosa. So I have been on their campus. We had David Locke on earlier this morning. Danny Ainge, what kind of moves will he make? How will he change the course of the franchise? He gets a ton of credit for making, and he's, I don't want to say he's living off the Garnett, Ray Allen thing, and then uh, a couple other moves, you know, and a pilfered Rondo from the uh, Suns because Sarver was cheap and blah, blah, blah. Those are easy moves. If anybody's presented, and it's not easy necessarily to accomplish, but they're more, maybe not you can make the move, obvious moves. You, they, once you have the chance, you can make the move with a ton of confidence. Yeah. Because right, it's a right. slam dunk. If it's presented what to Locks, you, you're going to make Locks that move. point was he was beating other people to the, to the spot, thinking that team is short on money. That team wants to tank. So getting in there and getting the deal. But when you're down or you're mediocre – or you're really aging the way they were when they made the move and, and dealt Pierce. It's a little easier to make the move. Right now, the Jazz are in a window. Yeah. They might need a move to get over the finish line, 
That's but the bold stuff, the man. The downside, if you the make a move yeah. and it's wrong or it doesn't work, the downside's massive. Right. You, I'll give you Al Jefferson and you give me Kevin Garnett. Done. Well, duh! <laughs> but if he makes a move and they make a move this year, because they're going to have to trade a nucleus. It's not going to be Trent Forrest and a Zabuke and Elijah Hughes or whomever, or Jared Butler, who was just absolutely sensational in those preseason games. How can we forget? Uh and you do that, and you're not giving up your core. Well, that's something. But if you give up your core, it's going to be controversial. The players are going to be, I don't know, necessarily upset, but they're taking one of their guys out. If he traded Joe Ingles, I'd smack him in the head. <laughs> Make sure we get a Channel 2 camera there so we can get video of that. I mean, Joe, but... The bold move, like when he decided not to sign Isaiah Thomas, and Isaiah was talking, he's going to get the max. Well, wasn't that the right move? Yeah, Isaiah's never been Isaiah again after that hip injury when coming back from that. And Ainge made the tough call. So the tough call is where it's at with him, and we'll see what he does. DJ and PK, that is some of what we have been discussing today. Kelly Papinga came on, co-defensive coordinator, linebacker, coach of Virginia. Seemed upbeat. He did. Six weeks yeah. to find a job. Doesn't know where he's going to be next year. Doesn't know what's going to come open. He walked us through the multiple phases of hiring season here. How people leave. And it's possible that he won't get any of the jobs that he knows are open. But the whole chain of events, well, somebody left to go fill that job. So now that job's open. Where does he go? How does this all play out? And also a word of warning to BYU fans. Started to make the transition from the Mountain West to the Power Five by going independent. And so some ground has been covered, but he thinks they'll be more. And he cited TCU and Utah's examples. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be walking a park at all. And then Utah got good and has been able to sustain it. TCU had two big years and then went right back to where they were. True. A bunch of 500-ish teams for uh, TCU. Yeah, yeah, Utah, good, good on them because once they got it going... They've been at the top. And I already saw this Pac-12 schedules came out yesterday. Yeah, we've kind of ignored that, yes. I mean, we know who they're going to play. It's right. just the dates. But just being on the internet and listening to reading stuff out of Arizona, oh, man, the, the devil's got to open with Utah. The amount of respect. they got to open with Utah. Hey, you wouldn't have said that six, seven years ago. No. they got to open with Utah? Yeah, okay. Yeah. But no, but the way they said it, the same words in consecutive order. I, I, we can next time we have the commissioner or, or Mark Harlan. Why do they have what could be big division games so early in the year? Do what the NFL does, where you have three division games at the end of the year. You, there's a chance for the race to change really quickly in the final month. How oh, you win it, and we get the tiebreaker. I don't get front-loading the division games, and then you end up where if you have a rematch, you have it, you know, in. Two weeks later, well, it could be the Oregon same with again. Oregon because they're doing the same time frame. Uh, yeah, so I'm not sure why they got to do the way they do it, but I know the Devils, their folks were talking. We opened with Utah and SC. It could be 0 and 2. Yeah, it could be, but what's the difference? Even if you're 2 and 0, you still ain't winning the division. <laughs> so keep hope alive. Have those big games in um, in late October, November. Uh, but yeah, let's do a- the crossover games with the North early in the year. Mm. I don't know, to me, they're all the same. Uh, th- being two and zero, 
that's something to to be jumping up and down about. I mean, if they if the Utes go, they, would it be in Tempe? Did they play up here last year? Like the way year? the Big Ten, yeah, yeah down stacked there, stacked the big games at the end of the year for Ohio State. That was great. It was high stakes. You can't have that when you play what looked like the high state games. Okay, in week but, one why or two. Do, but why does high stakes have to be in November? Why can't they be in September, October? We're just getting going. We're not there yet. I'm there. Build the anticipation. It's a story. Well, I don't know, man. That anticipation for Oregon here was all-time high. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Your feedback coming up next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. This week's Raider-Browns game brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raider debit card. All of the same great benefits and features. Now with the silver and black. Learn more at AmericaFirst.com slash Raiders. What time is that Raider game kicking off? 2.30. 2.30. Man, that's going to be a day oh, on is. the zone, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is Saturday, 2.30 game. Raiders-Browns, NFL Network, and then on the radio here on the zone. And Scotty G... At 4.30, we'll do the Aggie pregame, so we'll obviously have the signals divided. And the Raider game will get done in time for the Jazz pregame show to start at 6 for the Wizards at 7. So that's a day. Whoever invented the remote control, thank you. (laughs) You don't have to get up and turn the channel. (laughs) Like back in the old days. Yeah. When we were six years old. (laughs) This is going to be a laptop computer day, too. Because of the overlap with all the college hoops? Uh, I was thinking NFL. I don't want to ignore the NFL completely. Nope. No, college hoops, games are dropping like flies with the uh, COVID. That North Carolina and UC Los Angeles had a big game in Vegas on Saturday. Gone, done. Yeah. Syracuse canceled a couple games, but they weren't big. Uh, yeah, and somebody, uh, I think Ohio State was playing Kentucky in hoops, and that's done. And the Bruins now, they've paused all activities. Makes you nervous as far as what might be. I don't know if there's any big games in a couple of weeks. But. No! <laughs> I know. I no! Know. I know, I know, I know. Time for your feedback. Stuff you've had to say about today's show. Here's a good one right here. All I want for Christmas, Mike says, is someone to laugh at my jokes the way P.K. Kenahan laughs at his own. See, that's negative, though. They're taking a shot at me. You have broad shoulders you can handle. That's, but it's always directed to me, not to you. They don't need to beat up on me. They've just listened to you do it for like four hours. Not true. Not true. That's a gross exaggeration. Bowl season is here. BYU and USU are going for 11 wins. How can you not be fired up? And an 801 original says, it's nice to have some appetizers before the main dish in a Ooh, couple of weeks. That's condescending. Yes, it is. Ute fan firing off at the Aggies and Cougars. To which Monica replies, the main dish to which you're referring is the college football playoff, right? Oh. That's yeah. A that's a good one. Fire returned. Uh, I suppose it is. I guess that it's bigger than the Rose Bowl. But I stand by my claim that the Rose Bowl is the best game that judges don't get involved in. There's only one way to get there. That's to earn it. Unless you got... Unless you finish second and, yeah. and the champion gets chosen for the playoff. But that... But maybe you earned it by being second. If you are indeed second. I guess you could say that, yeah. Maybe you got passed over. You know, it's like... It's, well, Ohio State well, got in and right. they, they didn't play in the final. Right? Who did Michigan kick the crap out of Iowa, was it? Yeah. 
I think it's really nasty. It was blot. Yeah, big time. Aaron says, I'm leaving for L.A. in a few hours, and I am super excited. Wow, two weeks ahead of time? Scout out your spot in the Rose Bowl Parade? I think Aaron's <laughs> headed for the old SoFi Stadium in the Aggies. Oh, oh we're Jimmy just Kimmel talking about Rose Bowl. Yeah, Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. Hey, yeah, man, if the Aggies get 11 wins, especially this would be the all-time best season relative to expectations because there were none. Yeah. New coach. I did my preseason thing that I always write up, and I don't want to just bury on you because that's no fun, and I felt I was stretching it at 5-7. and seven. You were. So it looked if, like there were four winnable games, and if they mess one up, then it's a three-win season. When you go to five, you're saying you're going to win all four, I think you're supposed to, and you're going to win one that looks like a stretch. But I had no idea about Bonner. And I actually follow Arkansas State a little bit. And you still didn't know? No, I didn't. Because I, to me, I thought, well, you're, it's a step up in competition. Oh, and the thing Scotty said early in the year uh, when they won a couple early games, he says, they're better than probably anyone thought, but paper thin. Injuries could hit this team hard, and they never did. Well, Bonner got hurt four times a game. <laughs> yeah, but he only came out once. <laughs> what a tough dude. He might be the toughest Beasley, guy in the state. Beasley came in. He was, he was good when he came in, when he got a shot. He made some plays. I just, man, every game they seems like him. he was going Air off Force, to the sidelines. That was, that was yeah, huge. What's, you're talking about, uh, what's his name? Presley? Yeah. Peasley? Peasley. Yeah, Peasley. Andrew Peasley, yeah. He was big yeah, in the Air Force He was, game. he was. They needed yeah. him in that game for sure. No doubt about it. And that could have been the difference. There was a bunch of could have been the differences, but that certainly was a significant factor in winning that ball game. And that, and that, at that point, too, they realized themselves, at least I think they did, or I did anyway, hey, we're pretty good. Sporty McTweedy says, uh, BYU got cheated out of a better bowl game and is playing a terrible opponent. Doesn't matter. To which you fan man is there to point out they're the ones who left a conference. Nobody got cheated. It doesn't matter. It's it isn't about the the Independence Bowl. It's about winning eleven games. It's about building momentum. Everything is pointed towards twenty twenty three. That's where we're going with this thing. The Big Twelve, baby. Yeah. Set the table. Get as much momentum as possible. Both these games. There's uh, four games on ESPN tomorrow, but there's two games on ABC. The NFL games are on the NFL Network. There's going to be a lot of eyeballs on these two games, and inevitably, potential recruits are going to be watching. Make a positive impression. And I hope Bowlesby sets it up first. Big Twelve game is at home. Place will be electric. No matter who the opponent is, it won't matter. Who do you want for the opponent? I don't care. I'd probably say Kansas. <laughs> Start with a W. Yeah, they'll yeah. give them Texas or Oklahoma if that's the case, though. If they're still in the league, but give them. A, the I think they say they're staying until twenty-five. That's the latest. Yeah. Well, who knows? And that'll be the answer until it isn't. Yeah. And maybe that will ultimately be the answer. Well, I'll take Texas. Uh, BYU's got a good record against Texas. I think they're three and one all time. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Jacob, better coming up next. Have a good weekend. We will talk to you on Monday.